0: Love talk radio. Alright fellas, here we go with the main event of the evening. Ladies and gentlemen in attendance, Hunts and attendants, men, joining us around the
1: world. It's time for the Belcu Hall. We're waiting for finally. It is showtime. Hey, man, we, we dedicate our lives to this what we give we to the the camp. We run hundreds of miles, you know, for the ones to take it serious. And we just dedicate ourselves fully to our craft, man. We watch tapes. We, we you know, we have attitude, we root and we want to that fight to land on to land on the line. chris carlson we are live on a what is it wednesday what is that velvet yeah it's wednesday live on a wednesday night a little bit later than we normally do it but you know how life gets in the way you gotta be able to adapt and adapt i did anyway thanks for those who uh reached out last week hoping uh you know that i was okay which i was which i was that no, uh, like the sense of smell and taste, I've never had it to where it, it was gone, gone for like five days. Starting to come back slowly but surely. But that shit was crazy, dude. That I I still can't believe how I couldn't taste or smell a thing, man. Anyway, um, obviously, this show is going to center around the 2021 year end review kind of hard to imagine but we are just two days before two days and change before 2022 it sounds weird doesn't it the boxing year so we're gonna you know break down the year of course the fighter of the year the fight of the year the knockout of the year the prospect the comeback fighter you know all sorts of stuff that we'll talk about and we'll just kind of you know in a sense, the state of the game you know we uh we had a really good start to the year, no doubt about it um, in the first quarter April may, June, a lot of that was popping, obviously June in a lot of places uh by that time, you could go full board as far as you know seating in in arenas and stadiums and whatnot so we got a whole lot of that, um, so it was nice to see the crowds come all the way back. What was it last fall? Was it? I think it was that Gervonta and uh, Santa Cruz fight that the first fans were back then. But as we know, I think that was the fight where the the fans came back first. But we, it still was limited. So it was nice to see the crowds come back, and come back they did. I mean, we had a variety of big, big fights, um, and then you know we had that moment in July, and you know where we had some good fights. But in the summer, you know, fights were just dropping like flies. Pone, the negotiations fell off on that one. Who's he gonna fight? Who's she gonna fight? it got a little funky there for a little bit. However, it did manage to close very, very, very strong in a big, big way. And, uh, you know, that's the last couple of years. It's been able to do that. We had such a good run down the stretch after obviously 2020. I'm talking about, you know, after obviously having like four months off, you know, in the way of big, big fights anyway. But, um, Boxing definitely, you know, finished very strong. We definitely got to uh, activate some of the casuals anyway. And a lot of good fights, man. A lot of great performances in general. I mean, obviously Canelo, a lot of people think he is the fighter of the year. Um, Fulton, Taylor, Usyk, I mean, there's, there's a, you know, some some folks have made... Quite a case. Uh, so, yeah, we're definitely going to break this down. We'll talk a little bit about, you know, maybe what happened this last weekend or whatever. Um, we'll probably save, like, the, a 2022 preview for next week or the next show. Uh, it kind of makes sense because um, although, there, you know, there is a print card on Saturday night, it does, you know, there's about a two-week gap there where there's a show box and there's this and that, but it's going to take, you know, uh, probably two weeks for the, the year to start to get going. And But we are starting to see, you know, that schedule fill up with some interesting fights and hopefully uh, some other, you know, finalized and whatnot. But I'll kind of just go through a lot of these lists. You know what I mean? Um and just kind of give my take on it. Uh, John should be calling in. We'll talk to him about it. Um, there's really only a couple, I think, that could be considered fighted here. And, you know, when it comes to this stuff, it is kind of uh, – it's funky because there are some fights that you just don't see. You know, let's say from overseas or some small – you know – Small country that, you know, you, you see some fights out of there once in a while, but you just happen to not see that fight. And, and to be honest with you, sometimes like a six or a eight-rounder, you know, technically could be the fight of the year, but it doesn't always stand out. You know what I mean? So there are going to be plenty of fights that I don't mention. Um, Dorno Ortiz, for instance. That was a damn good fight, and if someone came out here and was like, dude, that was the fight of the year for me, I can't sit there and, uh, you know, fight back on that one too much, so kind of, uh, you know, talk our way through this stuff, try not to to carry on too long, Um, but yeah, anyway, if this is your first time listening to the Ropa Dova Radio Podcast, Welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash ropeadope radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and Ropeadope and download the show there directly, or or listen to the browser if you don't want to. You can find this year uh, platform Ropeadope Radio podcast on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Player FM's, uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spricker, Amazon Music. I kind of forget that to mention that. Also part of the Grueling True Sports Podcast Network. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord, or you have and you're not quite happy, I got something for you, okay? It's called Direct TV Stream. Uh, The prices start as low as $69.99 a month. It's the best of live TV and on-demand. No annual contract. No hidden fees. If you upgrade to the Choice or Ultimate package, that'll give you three free months of HBO Max. Uh, plus, you get to enjoy regional sports networks without the additional fee, which is becoming harder and harder to find. And boxing fans, you might be interested in this twofold. If you go all the way to the Premier Package, that'll give you HBO Max plus Showtime uh, as part of the subscription. And Showtime's only $11 on this platform. Anyway, that's TV Stream. Okay. So, Like I said, we're just going to kind of rattle off a variety of stuff um, and go from there. We did have quickly, um, you know, a fight card this last weekend. Wasn't a ton to write home about. But, um, you know, some fighters look good out there, you know. Um, Joyce Spencer got a dub. he actually iced the dude out. Uh, he was jabbing to the stomach pretty well using his counter right hands. You can see maybe by like the, was it the fourth round or something? He was kind of shaking his hand. I think it was the third or fourth round between rounds. He was talking about, um, you know, it looked like he was talking to his trainer. It just kind of looked like something was up. Um, But it didn't take him, Was it, fifth round or something like that? Um, You know, he actually staggered him early with a combination, with a big right hand in that combination. I think it was a left hook that hurt him pretty bad, followed it up with a right hook. Um, Another right hand, knockout, it was over. Um, Joe, Joe Elvis, maybe just Yo Elvis, Joe Elvis Gomez, just annihilated Clay Collard. I, I thought that was a pretty good, um, pretty good fight there, or you know, performance. I should say, not not think it was a good fight, but um, Gomez, man, he might have something. Another guy at this weight class uh, at fifty-four. Um, I mean, he he looked good. He looked good in that. You know, those uh, those left hooks behind the jab. I think the I think he had a left hook and a right hand that scored the the, the first knockdown, and then uh, it was like more left hands. I think an uppercut, a couple of overhand rights, TKO. Very good performance there, no doubt about it. Um, obviously Vito got the job done against DeLomba. Um. You know, he's coming out looking to kind of counter, it looked like, a lot with the right hand. Um, He was throwing some combos here and there. The fight, by the time it got to like the third or fourth or fifth round, it started getting a little clinchy. And just in general, there was a lot of fighting on the inside. Um, You know, like in the fourth round, for instance, you know, the Lomba had his moment, you know what I mean? It was was a two-way fight moments, but Vito kind of was on his jab on the outside trying to land his left hook, nice hook to the body. Um, Even down the stretch, the eighth round was pretty competitive. I believe I gave that to the Lomba. Couldn't get him a whole lot. The fourth round was close. Looking at my scorecard right now. The ninth round was a two-way round, definitely like a rough and tumble type round. Uh, I think the better lands were Vito and he blows stronger. But it was a flush right hand. There's a flush counter right. The body and head that uh, dropped him like a minute in change into that 10th uh, round. And then there was a corner stoppage. So Vito looked good too. Rajan Chance uh, redeemed himself in a win. In a split decision win over Jesus, I believe it was. It was kind of like a a swing round. Kenneth Smith Jr. looked good against Keyshawn Williams. Uh, Trayvon Marshall had an easy win, as well as TKO. Sims did look pretty good. I thought Williams actually started pretty strong. I, I gave him a two out of let me check two out of the first three. Um, his left hook was landing, maybe not at will, but it was landing. He was definitely working the body, right hands to the body, landing that right hand to the head as well. Um, and some other competitive rounds, but then you just saw, you know, Sims Jr., steady with the jab, nice right hooks, better overall lands. Um, and just, you know, won the fight cleanly. It was a good good performance, and it got a nice rating, a big rating, uh, because of the lead-in, obviously, we talked about bit about that. We assumed that that would be a pretty big rating. I think the rating was like well over 5 million. I think it was 5.5 right at the start of the broadcast. Uh, and Then obviously when you're that high, it usually dwindles down. We even saw that in that uh, that in with the, uh after the Olympic. It was actually after the Olympic ceremony uh, for the basketball team. They won the gold medal, but they had played the game then had the ceremony, then they went right to Spence. That worked out perfect, and it didn't lose a lot because they literally had one fight and went right to it. And we've talked about that in the past, how this probably would have been a good time because you want to get as much as you can right there. But, um, you know, good performances overall. Um, And real quick, you know, obviously we do have, um, you know, a card coming up, no doubt about it. Uh, it's a it's a heavyweight card. We've talked a fair amount about it. Um, it does seem like it would fit really nice as a Fox main event. That's kind of what the theme has been. Ortiz and Charles Martin I'm talking about. Um, you know, you can say it's nice that they dropped the price in half. I know a lot of people ask for that, um, which I get to an extent. I do like that they they dropped the price. It is about half what it was. Forty bucks. A lot of these pay per views are seventy or eighty bucks. But it's just what what are they five five heavyweight fights? If three out of the five turn out really good, like dude, that was a fun ass fight. You know, it's one of those things that do you you do have to kind of wait, like we always do. Um, to fully judge everything until you actually see it, you know, in the actual ring. But, you know, Ortiz and Ruiz sign me up for that pay-per-view. You know what I mean? Like there's plenty of pay-per-views that I'll be, that I'm pumped about. And I'll sit there and help promote the shit. Not that, like I said, I think I said that last week or the week before, not that I, you know, my show uh, turns buys and stuff like that. Oh, I'm going to buy it now. But like, it's not like there'll be, you know, thousands of buys now because I said it. I deem it. Everyone has an entertainment value that they place on stuff. You know, I talk about going out for something to eat, you know. You get a drink. You get another drink. You may get an appetizer. Maybe you get dessert. Get a main meal. It's, you know, it's it's expensive. It can be really expensive, so... Like I said, everybody kind of has their idea of what they deem valuable and what they're willing to sit down, pay a little money on and whatnot. I remember a lot of people pushing back on me saying I don't pay for pay-per-view for exhibitions. You know, personally, I didn't really, I wasn't all pumped up to see, uh, you know, Tyson and Roy Jones in an exhibition on pay-per-view. That was my opinion. Um, like I said I got a ton of pushback I understand why because especially with Tyson and Roy Jones to a lesser extent as far as being popular but um, like at the time obviously he's a well known fighter but he was not a big pay per view guy obviously Um, but yeah it just didn't do much for me you know Um, like I said exhibitions on pay per view they just don't do much for me I mean Jake Paul, to me, even though I know it's real, like, on his boxing record, it goes down as a professional fight. I still think a lot of those, if you're fighting an MMA guy, to me, that's still exhibition. I know it's not, and the rules are different, you know, but I don't know. It just, it it still feels exhibition-y to me, you know what I mean? Um, But as far as this being pay-per-view, is it nice you get five fights? Yeah, that's nice, you know. But, like, three out of the five really have to pay off. You know what I mean? Um, we did have a dropout. Sanchez is now going to take on uh, Hammer. The, the Hammer. Christian Hammer. Um, you know, I like I said, I really like Ortiz and Charles Martin. Martin seemed to be kind of rejuvenated the last few years. He's been in some, you know, competitive fights. Uh, Ortiz is obviously more technical than him. I believe he has more power than him. Um, has shown more against a top guy than him, but in the same breath, you know, the running joke is, you know, he's 592. Like, you know, Cuban fighters obviously get this stigma for some, you know, good reason to an extent, but the age thing, how old is, he? you know, that type of thing. Um, you know, I, I get it. It's, it's, my point is I'm bringing it up because how old is he? Well, we don't know. Is he going to get old overnight in this one? I mean, he definitely could get old overnight. You know what I mean? Uh, he's been out for a long time. So he could just fall off, which could make it that much funner of a fight. Uh, Negron was going to take on Sanchez. Like I said, though, someone just texted me. Uh, don't forget Carlos Negron. Sanchez, but that actually did get, uh, the grown got COVID. So hopefully he's okay with that. The bigger guys, it's always a little funky, but, um, like Johnny Rice and Michael Coffey, you know, Coffey, that's a rematch. I like that fight. I like the first time around. It was a minor upset. That's a pretty good fight. Uh, Washington and Demir, what is it? Dem- mirror is in, or whatever, His only loss is only lost at the FA, good fighter what's left of Washington you know, I don't know, <laughs> that's a good that's a good point, I don't know the PBC does look like they're trying to bring in that Victor Fosk dude who's, uh, you know got a heavy amateur record from the Ukraine I think he's like already I know he's only have like 8 fights, or 9 fights um, but he's like 28 or, or 29 or something like that already. Um, and he's taking on, you know, just a vet. So, like I said, I, I, I like all these matchups for different reasons as far as just boxing goes, but as we know, you know, putting them on behind a paywall is a little funky. Now, if it's part of your subscription and it was just on Showtime or something, okay, that'd be a little different. Um, but, yeah, it, we said it from the start. You know, the, the Charles Martin and Luis Ortiz, that's a great Fox main event. And what a, you know, a better way to put that out there to the public and then have them fight Ruiz, which is what, you know, this is the fight that they were trying to make. Um, they literally last fall, it was on the docket. And then it wasn't. You know, so um, it is nice that, you know, I know Andy Ruiz was kind of dealing with something, a knee injury. He did uh, have a, a tough fight with Ariola. A lot of people want to see that Ruiz Ortiz. And, you know, why not give it to us on Fox and then, you know, pump that up and then put the Ruiz Ortiz on, on, on pay-per-view. Uh, but, like I said, obviously they're seeing something they like here. Fox. Fox isn't, you know, a, a company that necessarily just throws away money left and right. Clearly, some of those numbers, like that, I just mentioned it. Uh, that's really, if you look at Fox since they've been in business with uh, P V C and not just, you know, Fox in general, because it has been a while since they've been together. But as far as like the deal that started late two thousand nineteen, pretty much all the pay per views were either really really good or Right there on the cusp of, well, you know, um, like Ortiz and uh, Wilder, too. You know, did Wilder win one round until the knockout? A lot of people didn't think he did. You know what I mean? Good undercard as well. The Porter um, Spence, one of the best fights of that year. Uh, Pacquiao Thurman, another great fight. So they did pretty damn good there for a while. Uh, when it well it comes to their normal main events, too, with their FS1 stuff, you know. But we saw once the pandemic hit, it was different. There's got to be something about it. I'm not going to sit there and harp on it. Uh, we've, we've gone over this a lot lately, and so it does get a little old talking about the same thing. But um, clearly something's up with that, you know what I mean? And they haven't said the price. For their next pay-per-view, so I wonder if this is kind of rolling the ball out and seeing what that forty dollars does, rather than charging sixty or seventy or eighty or something like that, and maybe they think, hey, because they didn't they bring it down to fifty bucks for the Ariola and Ruiz, um, and this is part of that extra year thing that Fox had to initiate to get the year. So it'd be one thing if it this was just their. The third year, and he was just like, "Hey, you need four pay-per-views? Here they are, right?" But it, but they opted in for at least one more year. We know at least one. We don't know if there's going to be any past that, but um, you know, time will tell. This year, we've got over. To... it. Is one of those things like if you, you know, if you, if, if, it it's not like forty dollars is a lot to most people, it really isn't, but. It is one of those things where you're like, man, you know, this literally three out of the five better really entertain so you could feel like you got entertain value. You know what I mean? Somebody brought up just a second ago, and I think I, yeah, I said this too. Not even a couple years ago, well, maybe it was more than a couple, but that Roy Jones and Bobby Gunn was like a $30 one. So, I mean. We've seen the discounted pay-per-views before, and generally speaking, when they are discounted, it's kind of like they're discounted for a reason. You know, I think Shields, Clarissa Shields, it didn't go through, uh, luckily, but she was actually going to do like a $30 pay-per-view on Fight TV, but that kind of fell through. Um, so we've seen these discounted pay-per-views. I like the idea. Like, I, I, I like the Thurman in Barrios and the undercard with the discount in mind. You know, if that's 40 bucks, then I'll, I'm willing to meet him halfway because, you know, three out of those four fights I think could be good. Leo Santa Cruz is clearly just tuning it up. He's going to be in a fight after that uh, with either Wood or uh, Lee Wood or, or Michael Conlon um, to defend his belt at 126. I'm glad he's going back to 126, but um, – It's a hard sell, and now with the app, they're just like, hey, man, we can make a little money on it, so um, we'll see how that goes, though. Uh, I I like Ortiz to win as long as he's not old man river overnight, right? I mean, that that shit happens in boxing. Like, some guys stay in pretty good shape. Some guys, you know, will not just in shape, but stay somewhat sharp and you know, get less rustier, I guess you could say, than other guys. Uh, But, you know, when you go these gaps of times, it's tough. Um, I'm not saying it's been two or two and a half years like Thurman or, you know, it was a little over, just a little over two years for Pacquiao. He didn't look all that good, you know. So, and that was coming off, you know, one of his better performances in the last chunk of years against Thurman. If you look at maybe his last five or six fights, the Horn fight, some of the other fights that he won easy, he didn't even look all that great. Um, Whereas in that Thurman fight, I thought he looked really good. But anyway, uh, we're not going to sit there and preview and predict all these fights. But, you know, entertainment value, we'll see. We'll see if it turns out. Maybe we get an early fight of the year candidate out of it, because I guess it would be January 1st. Uh, But... They're skirting that line, you know what I mean? They're they're really up close to that line, and it just feels like they're crossing. It, you know what I mean? It's like, come on, dude, put that on little fox. But anyway, um, otherwise, like I said, you know, it it, it kind of does minorly falter a little bit, um, as far as the the schedule goes, because you know you're you're literally just starting the year off, you know, um. One thing that will be different, I believe, this year, because it goes an extra week, because of now we have 17 games instead of 16 in the NFL for those who don't know that, or people overseas and whatnot in the U.K. shots to the U.K. Um, I say that, I bring that up because you know, there's always that two-week break and be- between the conference finals and the Super Bowl. And usually, that kind of lines up where it would probably be the 29th this year, right, normally. But that's going to be a little backwards this year. So, you know, there, it's actually a week later. So are you really going to, like, how many? I, I wonder if that's going to kind of ruin that, that last Saturday uh, moving forward. Not ruin it, but, like, you know, usually there would be a decent-sized fight on that weekend. And so I'm, I'm wondering if that, uh, you know, is going to play a role in, in something funky there, but I don't know, I mean, they, they got something the next week, you know, if you look at it, the next week is and that's, that's where they're moving it. Instead of the last week of January, last Saturday I should say, in January, kind of looks like it's going to be that February 5th this year where there's a gap, because ESPN Plus has a card, Fox has that, Thurman Barrios pay-per-view, Dizona has a card, so it's It's definitely a a busy fight week, and we'll see how, um, you know, that plays out. But um, we'll kind of get into all the different categories. I'm going to bring in John here in a short little bit, take a little sip of water while I'm at it. But just kind of going over, I tried to kind of just kind of, make a list of stuff that came to mind, uh, people that would text me stuff, kind of fights that either stood out on paper or obviously, you know, stood out in the ring. Um, and kind of going, not going in exact January, February, March, not exactly, you know, that, but just naming some fights out there, starting with uh, a Fulton Leo. Uh, Alim Paseas, that was a good card. Garcia Campbell, it's hard to imagine. It kind of feels like that was last year because it was so early, but that is crazy that Ryan Garcia has a spot that it's been. Um, Jojo Diaz and uh, Rock Rakimov, Uh Castano and Teixeira, remember that was actually earlier, Pevek and White too, uh, Herring Frampton, Bert Scheldt, uh Beldez. Uh, Estrada Gonzalez Part Two, Ramirez Taylor. That was a big fight for Undisputed. Um, Ennis Lipinets, I thought was kind of like a okay, you're a con- you know prove that you're a contender type fight. Canelo Saunders uh, turned out to be somewhat competitive in the ring. Some people really thought it was competitive, and had Saunders up. Um, some people had uh, Plant up as well. Um, but either way, both those events were major. No doubt about that. Harrison Perella, Ruiz, and Ariola. I mentioned that earlier. Uh, another one, Mauricio Lara, upsetting by KO Warrington. Um, Smith Jr. Vlasov was a pretty good fight. Haney Linares had drama down the stretch. Courtney and Bridges was a good fight. Adorno and Ortiz. We talked about that earlier. and We've talked about that a couple of times in the last couple of weeks, mentioning it. That was a, I mean, If you haven't seen that fight, go check that shit out. San Andreas Delorme. That was a good little step up for him. Um, Let's see what else. Wilder Fury 3, obviously. Uh, A lot of people were pumped about Ubali and Donaire. We saw how that worked. Um, Figueroa Neri, Charlo Castaño, Davis Barrios, Pac Ugas, which obviously was supposed to be Spence. Riviera Hernandez, Glatton uh, Apoach, Lubin Rosario I thought was a good testing ground type fight, Aleem Vidal, uh, uh, Maxayo, what is it, Maxayo and Seja, Castro and Escondon, Escondon, that was a good-ass fight, Fulton Figueroa, Canelo Plant, Arios Heard, Arias Hurd upset and just a damn good fight. Um Micaiah Mayer against uh Hama, God, what the hell's her damn name? I forgot to write this one down, but someone um mentioned this a couple of weeks ago too. That was a damn good fight. Um, Stevenson Herring was a very good performance by Stevenson. It was a nice step in his career. Usik AJ. Uh you know, nice upset there. Be interesting to see how that goes. Haney Diaz Junior good performance there, Lopez Camposas, uh, Tank Cruz, Crawford Porter, um, and obviously there's some fights in there that I may have missed, obviously, but, uh, um, so, you know, I mean, there's, we had a pretty damn good fight here, it was just kind of like a weird rhythm, you know, like I mentioned, the, the first quarter, as first quarter goes, usually go, like if you look at what's you know, on the docket for the first quarter for the last year. Right now on paper, last year's was better. Um, but we kept it going, you know. March, and I think the zone really, because that's when that Estrada and Chocolatito fight, that rematch was, was on and popping. Um, that March, I remember us commenting how good that March was, and usually March is kind of herky-jerky, because as we know here in the States, college basketball takes over. Um, but we had a damn good April, damn good May, pretty good June. And yeah, like I mentioned earlier, we had that time where Canelo plant fell apart. Fury got COVID, like all this random shit started happening and you're like, what's going on? What happened? You know, uh, what, who's Crawford going to fight? We didn't know. Oh damn, we got a good fight out of it. So, and even Canelo plant was a competitive fight anyway. And, but that went back on, you know, we obviously there was some wonder and, and for good reason what Fury would do, <laughs> you know, is he going to make it till October, uh, which was all legitimate questioning, but obviously we, he made it, he made it. So that October, November, December, yes, uh, in that stretch of fights, they pay-per-viewed us the death. Um, we did get like gaps of time where there winners many. Obviously, I didn't even br- bring up the Pauls. You know, the Mayweather Paul to me, that's an event, but I don't I don't look at that as like a real real fight. Obviously, Jake Paul, you can't really, you know, talk about the year without mentioning him. That's for sure. Uh, you know, he had three fights that he slowly but surely kind of stepped up. Um, he was going to fight a fighter but, or a boxer, I should say. But, um, you know, he's making his name known. That's for sure. He's ringing bells. Uh, some of that, youth, you know, the, the teens and twenties are starting to, uh, open their eye up a little bit when it comes to boxing in general. We'll see, you know, which, uh, boxers they, uh, they kind of turn to as well beyond him. Um, But overall, it was a pretty damn good year, you know. Like I said, the biggest thing, one of the biggest things is, well, first of all, the undisputed. I mean, when you get one undisputed in a year, you're happy, you know. Um, We got them, You know, we got some. We got some. Um, Obviously, one of them didn't get decided because it was a draw. Many people thought Castaño did enough to beat Charlo. Sounds like that rematch is going to happen in late February. I'm really looking forward to that because I think he can make an argument for both guys. Maybe Castaño had his peak performance. Who knows? But even in that peak performance, he got hurt pretty bad at times. So you, you just that's what makes it such an intriguing rematch. And will Charlo finally be like, hey, Charlo, don't try to just knock the guy out. Don't act like your brother a few years back. You know, it's funny how that's turned. You know, once you turn the faucet on, sometimes it's hard to turn it off. You know, once the toothpaste is out of the tube, you can't put it back in. And a lot of people wanted him to switch his style up. And now people are like, why are you just doing this style? You know, like, why are you trying to just land big punches? And that's it. Like, win some rounds, too, off of scoring and setting up shots. So, We'll see how this rematch goes. Um, so like I said, as far as like any kind of uh, segment going into 20 and 2022, as far as the first quarter fights, we'll have a segment. It might be next week, the week after, I don't know. Um, I got a message. I got two messages now off of this. Um, they're saying that I'm, ducking the pay per view list that I was that I talked about. Remember I said that I (laughs) I didn't say I was gonna do a segment on those pay per views the last you know, since the nineties that you wouldn't believe on pay per view because a lot of people just started watching boxing in the last five, ten years, you know, and and when Pacquiao and Mayweather got uh, famous and that's cool. Welcome. How you guys doing? But there was boxing existed before you got Is what I'm saying, and um, you'll hear the list. But I'm not; it doesn't fit into this. It's 2021 year-end review. Okay, I said I'm gonna compile a list of names of uh, name fighters like Oscar De La Hoya, and even heavyweights, you know, major heavyweights or or big heavyweights at the time, and some and just fights where. Like Barrera and Morales, that shouldn't have been on pay-per-view, you know, trying to sneak that off, you know, that type of thing. Like the point is, the PBC didn't invent the that shouldn't be on pay-per-view paper. That's the whole point. We're here ripping it. We're not ducking it. But to act like it's just the PBC now, well they have they're the ones doing the most pay per views, no doubt about it. Uh, most of them have been at least profitable though. So it's not like they're just putting out junk the whole time, you know? Uh, but it is funny. That's what a lot of the theme is now flashback about three years. Not even you, the theme was they couldn't do a pay-per-view. They, they don't have anybody at sells tickets, blah, 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 blah. Now they're doing too many, which, you know, I think, uh, the current pace they're on right now, it would be too many, <laughs> but, um, that's what you kind of get when you talk about this stuff but no i'm not going to just randomly stop the show and do this segment i didn't we didn't pitch it for this week remember when john and i did that uh american prospects american talent you know for the next five ten years talked about it we 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 kind of teased it and then we said next week we're doing a full segment we did a full rundown a lot of people like that show we got a lot of good feedback from that but that's what I'm saying I'm going to compile a list, and it's not going to be 30 pay-per-views long but there's going to be like I said Oscar de la Hoya has pay-per-views that were in the 200,000 range there are pay-per-views you know I guess my point is people think like the last five years is the only time pay-per-views have been below 200,000 which is just fucking ridiculous They've been doing this short money. It's just a recycled thing, The short-term money. It's short money, and we're just trying to make a point. But a lot of people just want to act like it was the only the PBC that has ever done this. They invented the shitty pay-per-view. Like I said, they invented the that shouldn't be on pay-per-view pay-per-view, which is complete fucking nonsense. doesn't mean they can't be criticized because we that's what we're doing. But uh, those, <laughs> once I start talking about it, too, then the the freaking trolls just come in, dude. Yeah, I'm ducking the segment. That's what it is, dude, because it's my last show ever. So uh, if I don't talk about it now, I'll never talk about it, right? <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Anyway, we will get into some prospect stuff. Um, Guys like David Morrell Jr., Connor Ben, uh, Zayas. Jared Anderson they definitely stand out um of course upsets of the year uh actually according to what is it fight logic or something like that uh, on on uh, on twitter he the the biggest upset technically speaking was Vito Milanek at a plus what was it when he got beat by Martin James Martin plus eighteen undo think that was actually the biggest upset um but there was plenty of them you know kiko martinez i mentioned mauricio lara uh martin beat <laughs> mikey garcia um cambosis i mentioned that one as well riviera beat omar Suarez. that was a minor upset um so yeah, we'll definitely go over some of this stuff. I'm going to go ahead and bring in John and see how he's doing on a night like this. How's it going, John?
2: Hey Chris, how you doing? What's going uh, on? Great to be great to be here as always. Uh, as we wrap up the year, you know we have a have a lot to talk about uh, for the year as a whole, and also. Uh, We're getting some really non-traditional action as the year concludes uh, with, even if it was prospects, a card on Christmas Day, which is unheard of, virtually speaking. And we have a New Year's night card, which is also non-traditional to start 2022 off immediately. So uh, there's a lot to talk about in addition to the traditional year-end stuff.
1: And according to Jake Donovan, senior writer, we're going to have him on, I think, next week or the week after, um, December 25th show the this, this last one, marked the first major Christmas night boxing card in the U.S. since 1969 and the first to air live on the network television on the celebrated holiday. So that kind of goes to show you um, – Obviously, the lead-in helped a lot, uh, majorly. So it does have to – you know, NFL on Christmas Day generally most of the time doesn't happen because, you know, they play on Sundays. But sometimes you have to play on both days. Uh, and down the stretch of the season, um, they play on Saturday and Sunday once college football is over. So it's not like you could even do this all the time. Uh, because you, you do need that help, that kicker. But it was pretty impressive uh, considering they are going up against another NFL game and NBA. Um, real quick, I went over it real quick. What what'd you think of uh, some of the performances? We got another uh, Cuban prospect. 54 youngsters are, are on the up and up in a variety of ways, not just on this card. Uh, Vito got the job done. As did Joey Spencer. What'd you think overall of some of the uh, the youth movement, like you said, on there? Even what's his toes? uh, Oh, what's his name? Had a good performance. Uh, Kenneth Smith Jr. After the first couple rounds, kind of looked pretty good for what he's. uh, Trayvon Marshall is another guy that uh, was out there. But what'd you think overall at some of those performances? Before we uh, get into, you know, all the good stuff, year end review.
2: Yeah, I'm def- definitely going to get into that. Looking forward to get into it. One thing I just want to add about that card before I get into it, from my own perspective as a historian, a lot of the historians, like you said, and Jake uh, mentioned correctly, uh, I really hadn't even uh, – wasn't familiar, frankly, with that card myself. It wasn't a, a major card, but, yeah, there was a U.S. boxing card, 169. But I think it, this is also worth mentioning uh, for what we're getting into And like you talked about, this dynamic of fighting on Christmas night. But one thing I think that the historians weren't mentioning, including on the telecast and including the articles I've seen, and and this doesn't go way back. I mean, this is something that was widely accepted, you saw discussed within the last 20, 30 years. Uh, It still happened that way, but you didn't hear discussed. It was unofficial, but boxing being a sport that, is all year round and doesn't have a break. You know, you don't have a season like football or baseball or basketball. It was always sort of the unwritten rule that because fighters had to make weight. And because let's face it, there's no disputing boxing is a violent sport uh, that, you know, in the spirit of the Christmas season, those factors, you, you took a break. Um, You know, they're really, if, if you look at boxing history, uh for a lot of it there weren't really even a lot of major fights. You know, this was like you had Leonard Duran three was I think like December seventh and that was in the late eighties, but that was even getting a little bit later. You know, you didn't have a lot of you didn't have a lot of boxing in December for that reason. You know, then right. the the Japanese just because you know, it's different culturally. They would have a New Year's mm-hmm. Eve fight, but but that was but you know in the U.S. that was kind of boxing's unofficial break for those types of reasons. So going into this past Saturday, uh, you know, I was thinking myself. I thought this you know might not do too well. It's a non traditional boxing time. You got like you said, NFL most of the time doesn't go on Christmas day and night, but they do here and there, and you, you have NBA's been trying to do that as a regular thing. I mean, they've, they've had a game going back, you know, way back in the 70s, you know, on CBS and stuff, and then it got more. Now you've got games all day. But to our surprise, uh, I think everyone's surprised, uh, you know, with Milnecki and Spencer being the headlining prospects, it, it got, relatively speaking, a huge rating since PBC started doing their own network stuff, apparently their fourth highest rating rated fight. Uh, and, you know, Errol Spence being the top with that uh, coming in with the lead in the U S Olympic basketball, which was, a, was a spectacular uh, rating and great move. So uh, this did really well. Um, you know, whether people like it or not, uh, you know, Neil Mickey and Spencer under these circumstances. And of course, uh, you know, you had Gomez being kind of like a new explosive new star getting the, to appear on that card. Um, you know, getting seen by just about 3 million people, there, I see people on Twitter that don't even want to accept that. But, I mean, that's the, those are the facts. So uh, whether you like these guys or not, being seen right. by those kind of people, by that amount of people in this day and age for boxing and, and on Christmas night yet, uh, with an NBA right. game, and people are forgetting, on NFL Network, not network television, you know, Fox, CBS, but on NFL Network, there was an NFL game. So, yeah, you had the big lead-in, and we all know it matters, but, you know, these are NFL fans that you're leading; They could easily just switch over to the, you know, Browns game there on NFL Network, and, uh, you know, a lot of them stayed around. So, um, big for big for these guys, you know, fighting fighting in New Jersey at uh, Prudential Center, and then you know on the performances, um, you know, I, I thought you know the Yo Elvis uh, Gomez performance, you know, was a spectacular performance, blowing out Collard who'd had those upset wins, uh, even coming over from MMA, and and you know let's face it, Collard you know was in UFC, he was in PFL. He had exposure on some top ranked cards. I think people kind of miss this stuff, maybe because boxing, you know, yeah, it's not as big as the NFL, but you know, these are guys that have been seen much more than other boxers. So you know, even that, for you know Yoelvis to blow out collard in a round aggressive like that, and just be be fighting in between you Neil know, Nicky and Spencer to get that exposure, huge for the guy. I mean, just huge for the guy looked great that's really taking advantage of your opportunity i loved his aggression i loved his power um and you know it really stood out i mean people won't want to accept it and think you're going overboard as he's had you know five fights um but look, look he, he looks he looks as good as a lot of these 154 pound guys that people yes. are thinking belong in the rankings already so, and, and I don't mind saying stuff like that because I'm not afraid to project like some people. And people say, "Oh, that's premature." It's a, yeah, but you got to you got to go on what you see. And uh, the guy the guy looks ready. We know what the Cuban amateur program can do for developing fighters. And you know, we're not used to seeing a power puncher. A lot of times you see some, but you know, coming out of the Cuban ranks like that. So yeah, that I thought Joey Spencer looked real good. You know, I, I've said it before. I think some people get this, but another thing, again, people getting outraged. I mean, for some reason, there's a lot of hate on Joey Spencer. I, I, I am going to say, I, mean, I I do think it's because he's with PBC. I mean, I don't think, yeah. I don't think it's unfair to say it because even if people don't want to say it to themselves. Uh, I don't, I don't see other prospects getting bashed like Spencer and people just saying they hate him, et cetera. Look, the guy hasn't had that many fights. He's 21 years old. He has U.S. Olympic – excuse me, amateur pedigree. He wasn't on the Olympic team, but he's got amateur pedigree. I mean, these are not guys – these are not Campbell Hattons. You know, these, these are guys that paid their dues in the amateurs that have real amateur pedigree. And, and like it or not – you know, we see this a lot, though, pushed by their fathers. You know, that's Nicky, That's Spencer. So um, I think Spencer, his physical stature and the fact that – he. I'm not saying he is Canelo, but his physical stature, making his name initially at 154 pounds. We know Canelo started lower, but that's where he really got on the radar screen. You know, that's around what Spencer's at. Similar height. Both guys have power. Both guys can also box. I think both guys kind of got stereotyped where people underrate their hand speed. I mean, I see people saying Spencer's slow. Spencer's not slow. Okay. I mean, you know, Spencer's not slow. Um, You know, I liked him from the beginning, but then I know what some people did see. I mean, the part I'll agree with the detractors was just a couple of fights there. He didn't look as good, but I attribute it to that at the time as, you know, I was saying at the time, you know, what I thought it was. And I think he overcame it. You know, he he was trying to, you know, when sometimes guys mimic too much, he, he was trying to mimic some Mayweather stuff. And, he was trying to box too much, you know, with the guys he was in with. And, and that was all I attributed to. And then even though he didn't stop him, you saw when he fought Martin, who had, you know, upset Milnicki, as you correctly mentioned, biggest upset by odds of the year. And, and those those are stats, if you want to call them stats. I think they matter because that's how the fights were perceived going in by the, the experts, the people that have their money on the line. Um, you know, Spencer stepped in, fought, took on Martin on short notice. And even though he didn't stop him, I know you saw that fight too, Chris. I mean, he he did it. I thought then he had it back all together. Like, you know, he was throwing power shots and also using boxing skill. So I thought, okay, now he's back on track. And here, you know, you saw he wasn't reckless or anything, but did a real big power punching display. I mean, those were real shots. You know, that was not some guy taking a dive. I mean, and that's what you look for on those kind of things. I mean, it's unfortunate for the the person gets knocked out, the opponent, but – um, that that was not that was not taking a dive, you know that was not laying down. You look for that. I mean that was getting hit with big power shots, so I think Spencer back on track at twenty one years old I think he's doesn't mean automatically plays out, but really i'd say at this point the guy's being underestimated. You Neil know, Niki, you and I had talked um, I think we both agreed uh, that where he has shown some weaknesses. Was when he just was, you know, jab, straight right hand, and nothing else. And he got over that in his last fight before this one. Now this one, to me, was kind of in between. Uh, there were moments where he was kind of lapsing back into that jab, right hand, and he seemed like he had to think about throwing the other punches rather than just flowing. But he was doing it some, and he and he got a stoppage. Even though it was the last round, he did get a stoppage. I mean, I don't think it was, I don't think it was a bad performance. But, and I understand the opponent was better who he fought previously, but still, I think with that punch variety, wasn't quite the performance he had to fight before. But he's only 19 years old. He also has amateur pedigree, even though he wasn't on the Olympic team. You know, this is not some guy that just came into boxing. Um, so, same with him. I, I, I saw, and again, you know, Chris, you even more than me will point this out sometimes. I mean, but but I did notice who it was. You know, some guys who have been accused of being PBC detractors. Before, you know, I saw that and immediately after the mule fight, we're saying, ah, he, he's not much of a prospect. He doesn't excite me. And, and I'm thinking, you know, the guy's 19, uh, not a bad he's performance so young. at all. Yeah, he's, he's so young. He's been so
1: young in all this stuff. He was below 18. Remember, they had to okay him in the commission for New York.
2: Exactly. I mean, real young guy. And you know, I mean, there's just just no reason, no reason to be down on him at this point because the, the only thing really, again, I'm seeing that's what hurt him with Martin. You know, just when when he when he gets away from the punch variety, but he's very young. But what's what's been encouraging is, you know, you have seen the other punches there. I mean, there has been moments where he showed him if he did if he didn't show him at all, I'd be even more concerned. But what I mean is, you know, there, there's moments, you know, especially in the previous fight where then you saw him throwing the left hook with authority, and you saw him throwing the left hook to the body with authority. Um, you know, I'll tell you a guy, to tell you the truth, I mean, again, this is not in, in terms of abilities and the styles are somewhat different, but, you know, early even though he had the amateur pedigree, he was on the Olympic team, you know, if you look at, say, Errol Spence some in those first 10 fights of his, he, he was just kind of boxing and throwing headshots. You know, even though he was getting some stoppages, what I mean is you know, he didn't have the same level of aggression he picked up later on. And then you, know, you saw Errol Spence it seemed sudden at the time, but at a certain point, he started really whipping power shots to the body, becoming uh-huh. more aggressive, going for knockouts, and you know, sort of the rest is history, so to speak. You know, he got, he got to the top level of the welterweight division, one of the topest, toughest divisions in boxing. And so... Just saying, I think you know Mickey doesn't mean he's going to be Spence, but I do remember that with with Earl Spence a little bit earlier on, and and you know, if Neil Mickey keeps working on that, you know he he can keep developing. I thought I think Spencer Spencer, you know, he's two years older, but he actually he looks slightly ahead, you know, like just in terms. Doesn't mean that you know how it's going to play out, but he he's putting putting it together a little more. He had that little lapse where he was boxing too much. And, you know, Gomez looked looked great. And then you've got, uh, you know, Sims is on his way back. You know, he, he's a guy that had amateur pedigree, you know, uh, lost, uh, fell off the radar screen, you know, had that upset of Rodriguez. And, and he's saying to himself that he might be right. I don't blame him for promoting himself by that, by by the, with that. He looks like you know, he might be back on track, and, and we saw Marshall. You know, it, it's the type of thing the problem with the call – I thought the problem with the call is, you know, that guy's in fights that are supposed to be competitive, and you, you hate to have a national showing like that. But the viewers <laughs> – there's something the viewers like about it. And, and people want to ignore that stuff. Leading matters, but only leading. I mean, you can't underestimate – you know, remember, Al Heyman has been putting, you Neil know, Nicky and Spencer out there on national TV. People were complaining, kept putting them out yep. there. Now, this is what people don't want to give credit. Some people, not all people, but, you know, now at Christmas, a non-traditional boxing night, yes, NFL leaders, right. but a non-traditional boxing night with well, these guys relative to other boxing in 2021, they explode in the ratings. And then, you know, people don't want to credit that, these guys have gotten the exposure. I mean, that's the, that is the plan. And now they can be one step bigger because now they got seen by about 3 million people, and they're going into a new year 2022. You know, with that under their belt, uh, they keep winning, keep looking good. And, uh, you know, as Cliff Rolls said in his piece, I do agree with this part. I don't, I think people are getting too down on them as prospects. I am not. I don't think that should be the case, but even if you're one of those naysayers that is, even if these guys start getting in action fights and they're known, they're going to be big anyway, right? You know, whether you like them or not, they're going to be big anyway, because people are going to watch them and be in these action fights. They're going to be like, I know Vito Milneke, you know, I know Joey Spencer and, you know, or there would be hey, a perfect
1: B-side for a more talented fighter. You know, I mean, that's the right. name of the game, too. You know,
2: either right. way, what,
1: we've seen how this network stuff does uh, add to the ticket sales, add to the bottom line. You know, if if some of these guys that are known get in the fight where you're like, okay, this might be a good fight, all of a sudden you see it's a pretty damn good gate. You know, it kind of lines up that way.
2: Yeah, and Al Heyman's smart. I mean, as we all know. You know, it doesn't doesn't mean in every case it is, but, you know, Harvard, Harvard, Harvard MBA. And, you know, he's been around a long time, too. He's 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 older than us. <laughs> we can say that. I know he's older than us, like right. quite a bit. Uh, still going strong, but I mean, telling you how long he's been around. So um, what I'm getting to is this. I. I I think he, I think he knows this. I mean, and, and some people are picking up on this too. I, I, I mean, they sense it. Um, not all, but I've, I've seen some people. Like I said, the Cliff World article I think was kind, of, not not saying specifically, kind of alluding to it. If you go back to, you know, NBC's this is it's, it's actually some version kind of of NBC's plan in the late seventies and eighties. I mean, I actually, you know, still remember this stuff. lived through it. You know, NBC at that time was not, and you know this is not the case with PBC, but but in this case you maybe look at it compared to other sports. Um, NBC at that time was not putting the money into boxing that CBS and ABC were. Okay, but they were in. It, okay, uh, they and they were getting into it more. So they were, you know, the bottom three of the big three networks at the time. There wasn't a Fox yet. They were all in boxing. NBC kind of in it the latest and the least, but they wanted to, that was when they signed, you know, you know, all those guys, they were working with the Duvas who were just getting started out, had all those guys in the East coast, which, you know, is still the population center of the U S bringing in the biggest TV ratings. And, you know, even those were a little bit lesser fights than like, you know, for example, if, you know, ABC on wide world of sports was showing a real title fight or CBS on sports spectacular, they were showing, you know, Bobby Chez, Alex Ramos, you know, Johnny, Johnny Bumpus, uh, all those middleweights that were getting into brawls on the East coast, like, you know, Curtis Parker and, and, you know, w- Wilfred Sipion and Frank, the animal Fletcher. And then later on James Hardrock green. And, but, you know, what they were doing was they they were building, they were building those guys up, you know, those were guys were getting seen you know, either they were knocking out guys working their way up or or then they were getting in a good fight and it got bigger and that eventually evolved into some primetime fights. I still remember the date. It was November 20th, 82. Then on primetime, they had Bobby Chez take the massive step up when he fought Mustafa Show and didn't perform well. Chez ended up being an excellent fighter, but he did freeze up a little bit that night. You know, Ham Show's tough. And they had those other guys on the undercard. So, and you know, those guys ended up being, you know, a lot of them, not all of them, but you know, a lot of those guys ended up, you know, being in memorable fights and, and uh, you know, in in that period of time. So I I think it's that kind of a strategy, like, you know, you know, throwing these guys out there, getting them seen and, and something, something's going to come of it because they're just going to be more known than other fighters. So, uh, just kind of recapping that, that night, I, I was really surprised uh, at how well the, the Christmas night thing went. And I and I agree, you know, when it goes that well, you're going to go with more of it. And the final thing, I just wrapped that up again on the TV part of it, though, because I think it matters. I would say that even though NBA dabbled in it for years and NFL was there here and there, but not regularly, I think probably even though boxing being the most violent out of those sports, of course, I think that people have gotten desensitized to, you know, just the sports on Christmas. Uh, after all these years, like, you know, sport sports gets everywhere and everywhere T V can make money they're gonna be and they end up not holding back and I think that kinda maybe opened the door even for boxing that is back on T V at least a bit. Uh, that people people are like they're just ready to you know you can debate whether that's good or not some, some other time, but People have become yeah. ready to watch sports on Christmas.
1: Yeah, and even close to it, you know, the uh, a few – two years back, 2019, the close with Charlo Harrison, I believe that was the 21st or 22nd. You know, it was the last, was... you know. Good so, point, I mean, that's Chris. real – that's buffering right up to it, you know. But still, like you said, late in December, that wasn't a thing, you know. There really good wasn't. Point. That's a good that... point
2: that was not a thing and that did well in the ratings. So you can make an excellent point that that was an excellent card, most exciting card of the year and pre pandemic. But yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think that was a non-traditional time, even though it was not on Christmas that late in December. Yeah. I think these kind of things were opening the door for it, but I, I was surprised how, how well it did.
1: Yeah. And then obviously the last, what, three or four years, I think it's four years now, uh, the ESPN in the second week of December as well, with after the Heisman, you know. um, It's something that boxing does well after stuff, and I remember um, NBC when uh, Duva had that main events deal a couple times a year, they'd do cards. A lot of times it was on the NBC Sports Network, but they got a couple of those cards. Fury Cunningham was the, one of those uh, cards but the week before um, I think it was Santa Cruz. I believe it was Leo Santa Cruz who got the uh, the look on CBS during the afternoon and I remember it was again it was Gonzaga and uh, it was Gonzaga in Indiana college basketball. And the reason why I remember that is because it went to OT and Jojo Diaz Jr. didn't get his co-feature on there because it went to overtime. Long story short, it held up, though. The rating held up very nicely after college basketball. So um, that's kind of what we were alluding to last week where, man, it'd be great if even Fox or NFS1 especially, if they could, you know, find a way way to not make it too late for the east coast of course but follow up on baseball you know it it just it it just it's just a good thing and and boxing has proven that a lot it has crossover appeal and we've even seen recent stuff on you know basketball boxing football boxing is more of a crossover than even mma in those sports so um now head to head with football, usually anything it's a nightmare to go against, but that is one thing that they said don't go against on average don't go against you know boxing shouldn 't go straight up against football, especially NFL but even college football uh, and that 's kind of hard not to in the in the ball, but if you can play with it and use it it can it can do some damage uh in a, in a positive way um, but you're right, it would have been nice maybe one. Of those fights were really, really competitive, or something like that, or almost like a showbox fight where they're both undefeated, and it right. was, you know, it was a nip and tuck fight, eight rounder or something. That would have been nice. I think that's what it was missing. A lot of good performances, but I, I'd have to agree if he could just get one of those. Like, okay, that was a good performance, you know. Whereas a competitive fight, that was, uh, I'd say, what what was missing out of that. Card.
2: Yeah, and they might be building towards that, but I'd like to see him take a right. chance and get to, yeah.
1: I mean, an eight-rounder can't cost you that much. You know what I mean? Right. It really can You know, just competitive. I mean, those you know, show boxes are, are fairly inexpensive. Um, and then uh, before we get into the nitty-gritty, um, we, we've talked about it at nauseum, really, <laughs> um, considering what it is. <laughs> But, you know, it needs to be talked about and um, be critical of it uh, when it's there. You know, um, obviously, this weekend, uh, Ortiz is back in action against Charles Martin. Charles Martin, ever since he lost uh, to AJ, you know, he, he's, he's recovered nicely, usually comes in pretty good shape. Um, Ortiz, better fighter, more power, more skill all the stuff's going his way, but, you know, he's older, too. <laughs> so you wonder how many more times, like, his last fight, I think, was like a quick little one-rounder, too, because they were trying to set him up to fight. Well, he was supposed to fight Ruiz. Then they were trying to set him up to fight Ruiz, and that just fell apart. But it is it really, like, do you see Ortiz a, a strong enough favorite where, he would have to get over old overnight or just caught with the, just a perfect punch uh, the way he did, you know, against Wilder, especially the part two. Um, because it feels like, to me, Ortiz is going to win this fight, but there is that whole age thing. Age plus inactivity, not always great once you are in your mid to late 30s, let alone 41 or whatever.
2: Yeah, that's the way I see it. I mean, age and in, inactivity—that's where Ortiz is, and he's in his early 40s. You know, even at heavyweight, that's taking a risk. Uh, I, but I—so that's the way I see it. But when I look at these types of matchups, it, it doesn't apply in every case, but it is a good barometer when then you're you're trying to make the call and evaluate these types of things. A, a trend I've definitely noticed is. But when you get somebody with really good amateur pedigree, like Ortiz has against somebody with no amateur pedigree, uh, that usually is going to make up for that difference. And that's what I see this as And Martin came out of that program where they took guys that had no amateur background and they just tried to turn them into heavyweight fighters. And obviously he, he's a pro who you pointed out correctly. I give him credit in the heart department because he looked like he didn't want to be there against Anthony Joshua, but he he's shown he wants to fight since then. You know, in that second half of the Kanaevski fight, when he rallied and almost pulled right. it out, uh, he showed a lot of heart in that fight. And you know, he he also knocked out Gerald Washington. I mean, Gerald Washington is Gerald Washington, but still, Martin has shown he wants to be there. I mean, it, the Joshua fight, yeah, he got blown out, he got embarrassed, but he he's shown now that. That he does want to be there but with that said he's got no amateur pedigree to fall back on and when you look at the styles here that even means more than it normally does because Martin's a southpaw heavyweight and Ortiz is a southpaw heavyweight there's not many southpaw heavyweights but they both happen to be southpaws in this fight
0: mm.
2: and as we know for whatever reasons in the amateurs there's a lot more southpaws so Ortiz has fought southpaws, even at heavyweight, a lot. And at heavyweight, there's not as many of them. And Martin, a guy with no amateur pedigree, I mean, I don't think if Ortiz has anything left that Martin is really going to be ready to deal with a southpaw heavyweight. So I think that those factors... uh, you know, sh- should lead to an Ortiz victory. And because, again, the odds makers have to know. Um, for this one, I felt good because I don't consider myself the initial odds handicapper. It's not something I try to do, but once in a while I do it. And and Jim Karras on Twitter was saying, what 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 do people think that this is going to open up at, you know, that you would even look at Martin? And I said, probably have to be about a plus three. I mean, you can look at the tweets. It'll probably have to be a plus 300. And just happened the next day. There were no odds out in the fight yet, and they happened to come out the next day. And pro boxing, boxing odds, I think it opened up with uh, Ortiz as a minus 500 and uh, Martin at like a plus 320. Now, um, one guy, and I, I don't think he'd have any reason to lie about it, he, he said he saw an offshore book that had an even money. Um, I don't see that. I, I jumped the odds line, yeah. You know where they're kind of composite of, of a bunch of books.
1: Yeah, they, point they me to that have, direction, John. Point me to that direction. Where's that? Where, where's that website? Yeah.
2: <laughs> but a guy told me, uh, one of the offshores. I think he said it was my bookie AG. I, think he, I give him credit. He did mention a site. I didn't go to check, so I didn't double-check it, but that was a particular tweet I had no reason to believe was untrue. Uh, usually in this day and age, it's so easy to double check. You always do, but I, I didn't. I didn't look at it, but he, he said he claimed they, that my bookie AG had it at even money. Um, the pro boxing odds, right, at least in the first line, I think it was like Ortiz minus five hundred, and then Martin like plus three twenty. That sounds about right to me. I'm still, I'm going with Ortiz, and with heavies, as you know, Chris. I always find I do have to say with the heavyweights, barring you know any unforeseen weigh-in debacles on uh friday you know like where you know ortiz comes in at 280 or martin comes in at 290 or something <laughs> something like that you know what are what are those crazy things uh i i would think if ortiz doesn't get old overnight or just get caught with a bomb because heavyweights uh his amateur pedigree and skill with power should be too much for martin
1: yeah and i'm kind of seeing um FanDuel plus two eighty for Martin and it goes all the way to what's the highest one? Plus three fifty. That's the highest one. But it's uh actually plus two set oh um plus two forty for five dimes. That's the lowest I'm seeing uh on uh the site we like to go to, pro boxing odds. Um so that's yeah, so yeah, so that's, that's right in that range you're talking about. Yeah,
2: and and all I'm saying there is for, as we know, have, and again, it's, it's legal in more states than ever and, and adding all the time, so obviously a big part of things. Just My take yeah. on that would be, I, I, I'm I not saying I'm betting on Martin at plus 300, but if people are thinking about it and people that love dogs out there, I, I wouldn't bet on him under plus 300. Yeah,
1: I think that's a, a good way to put that. The rice and coffee, like that one's a close one, not for obvious reasons. And rice, on yeah, on every one of them here, that's a good seven, eight of them. Um, I think minus one sixty, minus one fifty on DraftKings, um, minus one sixty-five, one seventy 170, set, uh, one seventy-six, one sixty. I mean, this is a pick'em type fight. The highest they have. Uh, Coffee is uh, plus 165. Um, Clearly, Jonathan Rice was a minor underdog coming in, and he got the dub. Do you think it's going to go that way, or do you think enough adjustments will be made that they'll have to have a trilogy?
2: (laughs) Well, it it, it tells me that the oddsmakers must have picked up on it because I was shocked when I saw an opener. I couldn't get a play on it. I wanted to badly but I saw an opener where they had coffee as a favorite, a pretty significant favorite for this rematch. Apparently that's not out there anymore. I don't see that. Um, now in the first fight, actually, um, coffee was a huge favorite in the first fight. It didn't seem like it the way it played out, but he was a massive favorite. I do have to say that. So um, that was one of the one of the biggest upsets of the year uh, was a fox fight. Rice was a late sub. And as I've already tweeted out, on this one because it really stuck in my mind after the first fight. And, look, I was somebody that liked Coffee going into that fight. I mean, he didn't have amateur pedigree, turned pro late. But, you know, with the dearth of American heavyweights, he was showing real power, good solid size, was looking good. And against Rice, who came really prepared and really hungry, Coffee either looked like he didn't know what to do, didn't want to be there, or both. And I found that troubling. So uh, I'm all over rice on this one. Again, barring barring any, um, you know, weird weigh-ins on Friday, I would sure. say on this one, um, you know, look, at, not make excuses, but this is the heavyweights. And, and coffee had shown tremendous power before that. I mean, you know, at heavyweight you can always get caught. But barring that, this this one I I don't usually say it much but this one looks like a chance to make money to me on rice I mean to me those odds are tighter tighter than they should be um, because just the way coffee looked he, he just and he doesn't and again like we talked about with Ortiz and Martin coffee's got no amateur pedigree to fall back on now rice doesn't either they were he was also one of these heavyweight project guys was a basketball player so it, it's a wash there they both got no amateur pedigree. Right. Uh, Rice is younger, Rice is even a little bit bigger, doesn't have as much power, but again, they faced off once and Rice was coming in on short notice and and he looked like a vastly superior fighter. I don't again, if Coffee had amateur pedigree and like that was a bad night or he just got caught, but he he got beat up, didn't know what to do, didn't look yeah. like he wanted to be there. I, outside of landing a bomb, I, I don't see him turning this one around. And and I've had some pretty good picks. I feel like because it's very hard to do when you pick in a rematch that the the guy who lost the first fight is going to turn it around. I mean, I picked Kovalev over Alvarez in that rematch. I picked uh, Estrada over Sor Rungvisai in that rematch. You know, it, it's tricky. It doesn't mean you get everything right, as we both know you don't. But just saying, you got to. Put your spots on that I think this is one of those spots uh, this is not one of those spots I mean I mean to say where I don't see what coffee outside of land in a bomb I don't see what coffee does to turn this around
1: I'm glad you brought that up for some reason I thought it was more like a five six seven to one but it's tied for eight plus one thousand Jonathan <laughs> rice yep that's a good call yep one to the yeah, tied for eight uh, biggest, so there's five three ways, so it's in the top ten. I'm glad that you brought that up because for some reason I thought it was in like the five to seven range, but no, you are 100 percent correct. It was a major major upset, right up there with some of the top ones. Wow. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that, and I think crazy. I think that's why coffee. Yeah, and I think that's why coffee is close in this rematch with the odds, and that's what I'm just saying. From yeah. What I saw in that fight. I don't see this being a thing where Coffey had a bad night or something like that. It just looked like Rice was superior and had his number. And I'll and well, say, this, this to me, this is probably the most interesting fight on the card, even with Martin yes. Ortiz in the headliner. Because, yeah, they're not quite being serious, but they're not quite the stature of Ortiz and Martin. Um, Ortiz is a legit top ten guy and like you said was beating Wilder in the second fight had Wilder hurt in the first fight and you know um but with that said I I think it's interesting just because I did like the way coffee had been looking before the rice fight and in his mid-30s with no amateur pedigree this is it in other words it's not hyperbole or overstating it like you know what we're going to see Saturday night with rice and coffee for coffee I mean this is it you know he's He's got to turn this thing around. He doesn't have the time. I'm not saying he's going to retire, but, you know, it's just not realistic. He's, he's, got, to turn, he's got to turn this thing around. So uh, this is it. This is it for Michael Coffey uh, and his story. I mean, he's, he's got he's to turn this thing around. I don't think he can, but, but if he does, at least, uh, I don't know if you want to say he's back on track, but we're, you're going to keep watching him and see what happens. But uh, this, this is it for him.
1: Yeah, and maybe that that is it, right? That's why he will win because it's like, all right, hold on. I was a big favorite. I messed up. I'm gonna get it back. But yeah, it's true. I mean, when you watch the fight, it, it doesn't. There's not like a lot of path to victory beyond a big punch. It it does seem like that, and and sometimes the you know a lot of times these just you know they they just snowball. You know, where a guy gets so much confidence now where he's like, nah, dude, I got you. You know what I mean? Even if you land big punches, yep. I'm still going to get you. And it does, you know, have that snowball effect. Um, I'm kind of interested in that uh, that prospect um, on the other card. Uh, obviously, we know one of the fights got, um, you know, got tweaked because of uh, good old COVID. Um Christian Hammer is now in with Frank Sanchez, uh, which isn't, you know, the, the Negron. Like, a lot of people, the groan part of Negron. A lot of people groan when he when he's in the ring. Oh, great, Negron. Like, uh, a lot of people are actually, I saw on Twitter, like, I'll take that over that any day. Um, and also that Victor uh, prospect, I think. I mentioned it earlier. Is he from the U- Ukraine, I, I believe? Yeah, he's, that, he's, that could, he's
2: Ukra- Ukrainian. Yeah. yeah,
1: he's Ukrainian. Has a good pedigree. Um, I, I'm kind of interested in seeing, you know, where he's at in general. I know there's some uh, – I think there's, what, fights on FS1 that night too, right? right? Like at the prelims, I believe.
2: Yeah, but Faust is going to be on, which I think is a good move. Well, you, you can look at it Yeah, the main way. card. Paper paper views maybe seen by less people, but uh, you know it's kind of the prestige thing. Uh, Faust is going to be on the paper view card, yeah, against Kalajic, who, who tries but you know has has gotten KO'd every time. Well, he, actually, I take that. But he's got KO'd every time he stepped up, except the um, the one fight where he yep. where he fought the prospect. Yep. who Then you haven't seen much right. since, but. Uh,
1: he yeah, what the
2: hell, hell was that? I know what you're talking about, too. I always he is game, Oh, You're
1: all right. It's but usually Brent, game as hell.
0: Says,
2: yeah, he is yeah. game. He's always game. And, you know, Faust, I, I'm with you. I mean, PBC, I guess they're probably trying to work something out where, you know, they're going to be working with him because I'm surprised he's not talked about more, especially with, let's face it, you've just got these people, even the U.S., who, who specifically oh, yeah. like these Eastern European fighters. I mean, <laughs> you know. But, hey, and, if this uh, is a top-ranked card, they'd be, they'd be like, hey, wow, watch,
1: watch this guy. Watch this guy.
2: That's what I'm saying because this guy I have seen, and this guy is good. And, I, and when I saw him on there, I was like, even with a fight he should win, why why isn't this being talked about more? Because he, looked, he looks for real. So
1: um,
2: yeah. I'm expecting him probably to have a spectacular blowout here. Um, I think this but will be a show. Al doesn't play. have any
1: prospects. Al doesn't yeah. have any prospects. I know that. <laughs> right.
2: Yes. right. That's, the, that's the thing. And you can see here, even if it's a slow build, it's it, a lot of what this card is, is just kind of like, let's get our PBC heavyweights built up, you know, and people. Put them in a row. Not knocking it, but right. That's what they're going to do. I mean, I, I love the. You know, I love the theme of the. the, the I don't yeah. like this being pay per view. I'm not going to advocate for it being pay per view. But with that said, I love the all heavyweight theme and it being on New Year's night, as I keep saying, and then cutting the price tag to 39.95. For me, that makes it fun enough. I'm not going to blame anybody advocating against this being pay per view or saying, "Now nah, I'm not going to pull out right. 40 bucks for this." But, but I really like that part of it a lot. So much so that. I'm nitpicking, but I didn't like Frank Martin added to the FS1 part of it. Not because I don't like Frank Martin. Oh, yeah. That's what I I was thinking of,
0: too.
2: Yeah, yeah. and I think he's a real good prospect. But there's also two undefeated heavyweight prospects fighting on the FS1 portion. So Martin is the only non-heavyweight fight. And I'm thinking, like, keep the whole heavyweight theme. You know, throw a a heavyweight fight on there. move, Move Martin to the Thurman Knight. And you know, just build, sure, up, yeah, build yeah. up this heavyweight theme and make this a regular thing. Maybe a couple times a year or something. Maybe two, three times yeah. a year. Uh, I think that works. Um,
1: yeah, build so future I, fights. I mean, even if Charles yeah. Martin looks good and he loses, right. okay, well, he'll be able to get another fight. You know, like all yeah, these guys can fight. fight each other.
2: Exactly. That's the way, and people get to know him that way too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's funny because we remember those, but. Cedric Kushner got some pretty good results out of those with the heavyweight explosions. You know, he would have some upsets and some big knockouts and run those cards at a lower price. And, and, you know, there there were guys that ended up coming out of that and becoming factors. I mean, not, not great champions, but there were guys that came out of that and ended up being factors. So I I think it's organic.
1: It's It's organic. And sometimes that's the best thing that ever happens when it just happens. You know, it just, it just happens right before our eyes.
2: Right. And the fans watch it as it goes along. They follow the guys in the story. So I I love that part of it. I just hope there's some some, some good action and some good knockouts. Probably on this card more chance for some good knockouts rather than good action. Um, I, I actually I think Demarizen looked good against the jog in the loss and he has amateur pedigree. He Another guy he pushed,
1: yeah, he pushed him. Yeah, he
2: pushed him and And another guy people don't want to talk about I mean, he really pushed a jogba, but lost a very competitive fight, good amateur pedigree. It's still his only loss um right. and no and nobody's I, I talk about it. i think like I think he'll beat you know Washington's about forty years old now, but not too far removed from a win over Helani. It's a knockout win, but even though he did then get you know he got stopped by Charles martin, a good performance by martin there but I think Demarizan's got a chance to give himself a little mini showcase here. Uh if, if he can perform you know similarly to how he did against a jog, but maybe even a little better as he develops along. Um, I think he get, I think he wins this one and gets himself in position for some better fights. So I think it I think it's savvy by P B C to use him again. I think the guy you know, a jog was still only got one loss again, some, sometimes People like to knock certain prospects. I mean, lost to Sanchez. Not really any shame in it. And no. speaking of segue entry, we got Sanchez on his card against Hammer. I don't – you're right, Chris. There were people saying they liked this better. Negrone's not great, <laughs> yeah. but Negrone Negron has some offense and, and will, try, will at least try to win. You know, Hammer yeah. is long removed from that to me. I mean, he, he's a survivor. It's true. You know, he's been in with better People than the groan, but right. I don't like You've it. Been in with I, I actually don't. But
1: that doesn't mean much.
2: No, I don't like this one because Sanchez is not aggressive, yeah. and Hammer comes in to survive. This has got potential to be a complete stink fest. Um I, I I know they Good were in point. a tough spot, but again, considering this is pay per view, and Sanchez is the co-headliner, who really is on the verge of being in the top ten. He, he's on the verge of you know being in yeah. the transnational yeah. top ten. Maybe the ring top ten.
1: Um, I like you know, that they're bringing him back quick too. I mean, yeah, shit. I like this spot in October, right? Yeah, October.
2: I like the showcase because you know if him and Ortiz both win and win impressively, I mean they could both be in the they could both be in the top ten uh, right. the next week. You know, Ortiz is already there; he would have held it, and uh, Sanchez right. I think would would be poised to enter even even if it's just hammer he's fighting. So what I don't think – I'm not predicting this is going to happen, but you try to look at scenarios where how would this be a value for one of the fighters uh, and PBC, you know, the promotion. I would say that, you know, it's not in Sanchez's character, but, you know, Hammer hasn't been stopped that many times. It would be really good for Sanchez to be over-aggressive and try to get him out of there. Um, at least then people would say, oh, well, you know, we don't look at Sam, Sanchez as being aggressive and that much of a puncher, and, and he blasted Hammer out of there. I don't anticipate that, but okay. that would be kind of the unexpected shock of that type of a fight, if you want to call it a shock, because Sanchez is a huge favorite, that maybe would get people talking a little bit. Uh, that, so I don't know. If, I'm not, I don't predict Sanchez is going to do that, but that's what I'd like to see him do, because this otherwise is a stinker
1: of a fight. Um, And then we have those uh, Cuban uh, prospects uh, going head-to-head, which uh, I did see several people talking about this fight in the way of you don't normally always see Cuban against Cuban. Um, And so that's, you know, uh, it's kind of like a, hey, who's going to push forward type thing. Now, is this FS1 or is this Fox? That's FS1. I I like that. Okay. Because I thought it was FS1. I am. On the PBC uh, website, and it says Fox. It says well, maybe Trina I just assume
2: that. Uh, maybe I assume that wrong. I thought it was
1: FS1 myself,
2: but it's Fox saying is,
1: it literally says Fox.
2: Because Fox is doing like good. They, they do promote these things, and maybe they want the maybe they want the big lead-in to try to sell pay-per-views so they right. sell the that they wanted on Fox.
1: right, what it is, yeah. which
2: wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, right. And, and, yeah, 7 o'clock, that would be almost like infomercial time on a Saturday, so yep, on New Year's exactly. Day. Exactly. And that's what they so, normally
1: do, like, twice a year <laughs> with some of those uh, Foxes for a pay-per-view. They usually yeah. do that so, from, like, 6 to 8, like you said, or 5 to 7 here. Yeah.
2: Well, that, that'll help it even more, and that will help those fighters that they, they might, that they would probably, again, because this is network TV, they, they would probably get some good viewership. Uh, in that slot, so I like that. I mean, I, I just like again, just the preference nitpicking. I, I would have then liked to see him find another heavyweight fight to have instead of Martin and save yeah. Martin's exposure for a different card.
1: Yeah, have someone just lingering, um, you know, ready. Was ha- well, Hammer's always these late filling type guy, but he wasn't. He, he wasn't like paid to be a filler, was he? I don't remember hearing that.
2: Right, yeah, they, you know PBC how like they're training and he's that.
1: ready. Well,
2: that's what that's what Johnny Rice was when he pulled the upset on Coffee. Which right, is probably part of what led to it is, yeah. PBC, unlike the other promotions, uh, they did get some credit for it because it did save a few cards in terms of being, keeping them quality uh, or close or better quality than they would have been. Yeah, yeah they yeah, had yeah. standbys training, and that's a good point. I I don't know if they've still been doing this uh, recently. Yeah
1: yeah I don't think he was. I don't think he was. I wonder if there's something on Fox that day. huh I gotta look into that um any other items that you want to talk about before we start breaking down these categories John
2: no, I think that's uh that that does cover everything uh current that uh that I wanted to get into
1: um let me see here do 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 do, do. I'm not seeing a fox uh January first bowl game. I see ESPN, ESPN two, A B C. So maybe they have something else on there. I don't know. Um, okay. So we can start with the big one. Fighter of the year. Obviously a lot of people kind of point right to Canelo. Um Fulton uh had some good wins Taylor obviously you know another undisputed it's crazy how many undisputed we got this year and the potential for more Usyk is a guy that you know sure some of these guys I think the problem like with Taylor and Usyk you know it's the one fight thing you know that that's always tough but Usyk getting that dub you know he was a, a clean underdog he wasn't a major underdog but he, he was an underdog um but for me, you know, just the all-purpose, uh, the activity, the domination, we can say, oh, Caleb Plant and, uh, you know, Billy Joe Saunders isn't as good a win as AJ uh, for Ustick and, and whatnot. But um, but he handled it as such. You know, he took care of business. So, for me, I do kind of lend it to Canelo for fighter of the year. What says you, John? I, I say the same. i thought it over.
2: Always been a big believer in Canelo, uh, and obviously now he's reached the top of the sport in terms of the mythical pound-for-pound guy. You know, as I've said it a lot, but it's worth mentioning on this subject, you know, I don't think we need a 168. There's too many weight classes. So that part I can see where, yeah, Canelo's beating, you know, Caleb Plant, the other top guy in the weight class, and then Billy Joe Sanders. They're both undefeated. Throw in a garbage win against Yildirim. Um That's right. Yep, yep. You know, but again, this was boxing in 2021. Uh, the guys were undefeated. Uh, you he know, moved
1: the needle. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, and Plant. You know, Sanders can fight. You know, Plant. Plant can fight. Plant was competitive, like you said. Um, he stopped both of them. Stopped Yildrum again, right. even though that's a throwaway. I don't count that for much. I think other people probably even count that for more. I mean, to me, it doesn't necessarily matter how many times a guy fights in a year if if the fight's not any good. You know what I mean? Like, people talk about this activity all the time. And, like, well, if we have guys fight three, four times a year and they're fighting no-hopers, so what? That doesn't mean anything to me. I'd rather have Gary Russell, you know, fighting JoJo Diaz once a year than a guy fighting three no-hopers. So uh, just an example because they always like to knock Russell. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, we don't want to see maybe more out of Russell, but, but you know, that's my right. point there. But, again, compared to the other candidates, I think then ultimately it has to be Canelo, you know, knocking out two undefeated guys who are good fighters, uh, picking up another win. Like you said, Usyk fighting once. He was a, he was an underdog, no matter what people want to say. I think, you know, heavyweight still always remains the flagship division in boxing, and I think that counts for something. Uh, But I just think that's not quite enough to overcome Canelo. Uh, I'm on the Canelo train here on the fire. Year. you have thought about it? I can see some of the criticism maybe of what Canelo did compared to some others. Again, the alphabet belt thing doesn't mean as much to me. Now, you know, he was ring 168 champ, became transnational, so everybody recognized him. That matters, but I, I just think it's division we... We don't need. And I think as you and I have said on previous shows, and I think we're right here, when, when Canelo decided that the one hundred sixty eight needed to be quote unquote undisputed, uh, and we're talking in terms of alphabet belts, uh, he didn't he didn't find that he didn't find that same need at light heavyweight.
0: <laughs> you know. Right. So
2: uh you know, he's picking his spot to a degree I think maybe he still does better than other fighters. So he gets sometimes too much criticism for that. But with that understood, you also, you also can't ignore the fact that he's picking his spots a little bit. So uh, that's the criticism, but I still think it, I still think it beats everybody else. Uh, Josh Taylor with Ramirez. I mean, good win. You know, Taylor definitely won the fight. And I agree with like people say, well, you know, you can't discount the fact that Taylor knocked him down twice and I I agree with that a hundred percent. You know, especially the first knockdown was a was a real clean knockdown. The second one was a you know, a little bit around on the break thing, but still a still a good knockdown. But I d I don't think I think it's true to mention about that fight that I mean those knockdowns were the difference. You know, Taylor was you know, he has some moments yeah, for in some sure of these fights where he does that and he's coasted and he just you know, he, he looked like the better fighter. I'd be the first to say it, but, but he, he let Ramirez stay in that thing, and it really was a close fight on the scorecards. And and if he wouldn't have dropped them, he, he probably would have lost the fight. Now, he did drop him, but, you know, that kind and of And they thing were crafty,
1: too. Crafty way. ways to knock somebody down, too, so he really had to pull that off. Exactly. So,
2: yeah, I mean, like, so for me on that one, not quite. And, uh, you know, I just think.
0: That not Cadella, the separation.
2: Fulton. Fulton you know, a couple of real good performances, uh, definitely worth worth a mention. But I, I think Canelo's the choice there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I mentioned some earlier. Obviously, you know, Fury Wilder three Glatton Apoche, Cambosa uh, Lopez. We mentioned Ramirez Taylor, uh, Fulton Figueroa, Arias Hurd, uh, Estrada Gonzalez. Adorno Ortiz, I'll say it again, go watch that fight, Google it. it, it's out there, daily motion it, whatever they gotta do, check that fight out, uh, Matisse, uh, and, uh, oh man, it starts with a J, Jubayev or what the hell, oh yeah, Jubayev. yeah, that was,
2: that was, that was, that was a good one, that was a good one,
1: um, and, you know, there's definitely, you know, others out there that we're missing or whatever. Um, or just, you know, they're, they're six or eight rounders or they weren't even televised. You know, you, you'll find fights a year in a random places. But, um, drama, um, edgier seat type stuff, all the way down to the last little bit until Wilder fell on the ground for good, um, or crashed on the ground, I should say. It wasn't just a fall. It was a crash. But the heart he showed, like I said, the intense drama, no hundreds of punches aren't getting thrown per round, but you know each and every one of them count. And, you know, while they're a lot of people say, oh, it's, it's too one-sided to be fight of the year. And you know, anytime a guy has to get scraped off the mat twice, almost, I don't know how one-sided that was, but um, the fact that he hurt him like in the eighth and ninth, or seventh and eighth, however that went, like, it's just there's just too much drama, too much intense, you know, just it's everything. Uh, Fury, you know, recouping <laughs> this guy's recoup ability is just disgusting. You can just see that whole punch in the fourth round go through his whole body, and he was—he looked hurt. He looked kind of dunnish, uh, like oh boy. Like he even said, you know, if he, if he had an extra thirty seconds there, I may—it may have been a wrap, you know. And even to, to push forward and hurt and continue to hurt Wilder, but then Wilder to strike back and uh, just to just to go through that hell that both of them did obviously wilder went through more of it during the fight but uh it's just hard not to say that's not the fight i know you know there's a lot of this and that this and that but and a lot of it is a lot of the people can't admit that they were fucking wrong john about the fight because remember it got such negative stuff about it like why is this fight even happening this is this is just a waste of time. People were actually mad at Wilder, you know. Right. Then all of a sudden, you're like, huh? Guess it I Guess we're not all professional matchmakers at the end of the day. And that was that was the fight.
2: Yeah, I mean, that, 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 to me, there's no doubt that was fight of the year. I mean, uh, you, know, you you've got, and what I felt kind of comforted by, yeah, you know, it, it's polls. You don't know who's voting, but. You did see, and one of them from ESPN, which obviously, okay, you know they Fury has fought on ESPN, but uh, you know Wilder Fury three, rightfully so in, in these polls is just blowing everything away for fight of the year, and it should be that it was edge of your seat action, literally had me literally jumping up out of my seat. It was an all time heavyweight classic. Which is something the sport needed for the lineal title, the most historic title in the sport. I mean, I think people you know historians who should know better uh I would just say that and like you said, whatever the biases are things, I mean when you talk about you know Estrada gonzalez two, a hundred and fifteen pound fight, you know an alphabet created division i mean these guys are excellent fighters, but you know no nobody in serious trouble in the fight, yeah, a lot of punches thrown, but Nobody in serious trouble. And, and, and both of those guys passed their best. You know, you, you make a strong argument both of those guys are past their best. I mean, no, no way. For me, Estrada Gonzalez, two was a good fight, but it, it's not even in my top top few of the year. I, I go, and I will justify all my choices. I mean, I think Wilder, Fury 3, an all-time heavyweight classic, both down. I mean, both guys down. Both guys in trouble. And Wilder, both of them showing all kinds of heart right up until the end. Wilder insisting on going out on the shield, um, you know, guys just you know, you know, he he was still hurting Fury up near the end, and you know, Fury obviously put a lot of hurt on Wilder, and you know, part of a trilogy was probably going to be the final match in a trilogy, you know, something that really goes down with some of the all it does it goes down with some of the all time classics in boxing history legendary heavyweight fight and and on pay-per-view and like you said uh, i i think some people were bitter i mean a fight that people were saying they didn't need to see hey we're all wrong i mean i i'm wrong you're wrong we're all wrong you know if you're wrong on this one just say you're wrong don't don't try to right. say chocolate Estrada was a better time. was a better fight for you i mean you know uh, because this was this was an all-time classic. I think reasonable people, and it's fine to say even if they did like Estrada, Chocolatito said, hey, you know, a couple reasonable people were like, hey, you, you just can't deny Fury Wilder was uh, fight of the year. But some people wouldn't give up on that. I, I don't even think Estrada Chocolatito was the second best fight of the year or the third best fight of the year. Uh, I liked Apoche Grant in second. I mean, that was an absolute war. Again, the swings of momentum you know, the guys throwing hammers at each other constantly with both guys in trouble, you know, knockdown. both guys in trouble, both guys in serious trouble during the fight, and just, just bombing away the whole fight, two undefeated guys. That was a great fight, even though they were lesser-known guys going in. Thank goodness for boxing, it happened to be on regular Fox. That doesn't get enough credit either. You couldn't have a better action fight on regular Fox an underrated win of the year. And then, you know, of course, we're talking about U.S. TV. Uh, then, you know, Lopez Cambosos, I would put that third. I mean, that's a fight I was wrong about. I mean, I just really think a lot of Teofimo Lopez, he rallied and almost pulled it off, but Cambosos ended up being a much better fighter than I thought he was going to be going in. He did what what after the fight he explained, I think, was critical. The truth, he said, I've got to put her on Teofimo Lopez off the bat. I got to get respect, and that's exactly what he did. He dropped them and he was hurting them other times. I think he was stinging him. Lopez almost pulled it out. A fight where both, he had Cambosos down at the end, so he had the dramatic momentum swings. Then,
0: mm. one
2: of the upsets of the year, again, lineal, lightweight title, a traditional division, so you have a higher level of significance uh, than a lot of other fights. But just for me, a poachy Glanton was just a little bit better, even though obviously it was. Of, I'd be the first to say it was of less significance, but it was just such a right. such a great fight. I put that a little ahead, but I think Cambosos Lopez comes in there. Then I think you have Fulton Figueroa. Uh, I think, in a way, a similar fight, even though it had different styles, to a Estrada, you know, Chocolate Tito too. But I think it was just close, but a slightly better fight, and then really. The only reason I don't even rank it higher is because an eight-rounder, like you said, under the radar in terms of significance. But I would really, in terms of being how good a fight it was, I mean, the Jermaine Ortiz and Joseph Adorno, uh, again, guy, dramatic swings of momentum with, with both guys in serious trouble, just winging away, right, doing complete damage to each other, right through the final bell. You know, that that would probably even be like, you know, maybe you know my fourth best fight of the year. You'll be right up there with Samboso's Lopez, uh, and then then for me maybe then you know like you said that Jukamayev and uh, Matias, an underrated fight. I didn't Even forget about one, that one myself it was a great fight. Um, but you know th- those would all be up there. I, I think that you know that then then to me you maybe start talking about the Estrada Chuck Tito. But getting back to the top. I just don't think there's any doubt that Fury Wilder three was fight of the year. And even though it's an opinion type thing, why I get kind of animated on this subject is because, you know, let's not take away something great that happened for boxing in 2021. I mean, you had the lineal heavyweight title on the line with an all time great fight with dramatic momentum swings at both guys getting dropped and a good solid pay-per-view viewership for the fight. I mean, It should be to me. It just should be a no-brainer, you know. And and it's a good thing for the sport. I mean, uh, you know, Chocolatito Estrada was buried on his own. I mean, there's just not that. There's just not that much U.S. viewership. Uh, So you know, especially when you're talking about the U.S. But but really, even even in other countries. I mean, you don't. You know, you, you just don't, you just don't like you know. You may not like it, but you just don't get as many people watching the 115 pounders. And you know, if it, if it was a clearly better fight than Fury Wilder three, hey, give it to it. But it, but it wasn't. It was the opposite. You know, Fury Wilder three was the better fight. So let, let's give that fight all the accolades we can because it
0: deserves it.
1: Yeah, I got a couple of messages saying on Conhas and Rodriguez too. Good uh, fight. I agree. Yeah, that, I agree. That was that was a yeah. damn good 100, fight.
2: One fifteen pounders, but I agree that was one of my favorite fights of the year. And worth, it is, it was one that was. I agree. Uh, good mention was worthy of not not my fight of the year, but was worthy of mention with those other
1: fights. I agree. Yeah, that was a really good mention. Um, knockout of the year, obviously Tyson Fury. You could throw that in there with Gabe Rosado. Uh, over Beck, Oscar Valdez, it seems like a long time ago now, but Valdez knocking out Burchell, um, obviously you gotta put Jake Paul and Woodley two into this one, I know a lot of people will like that, but hey, facts are facts, Kiko Martinez, um, with an upset knockout, uh, of Kid Gallahan. Uh, there's a lot of these, uh, out there, no doubt about it, um, where do you stand on, on on knockout of the year? What what's the one that that did it for you?
2: You know what? I'm I'm surprised as we go over this, and I've debated on this. Here's kind of the way I see this one.
1: Um,
2: for me, it, it was gonna be Valdez-Burchell, um, but you know you know there's the other the other ones that I'm looking that I've considered are very close and just when Valdez had that PD after that, it just, it just left a bad taste in my mouth for that. I don't feel, I mean, I'm just going to say it, even though it wasn't officially for that fight, I just don't, I don't feel comfortable with that one. I just don't, um, for for that reason. Um, So that kind of, kind of took it out of it for me. So then it left it for me with, I was thinking about Beck and Rosado um, shocking upset, and, and you know he walked right into a bomb, and that was basically it. Yeah. And and, and Rosado not a not a massive puncher either, so it really was a shock, because it was a bomb. Um, but you know when you mention it, and I really think about it, and I and I you know saw all these live as they happened, I think I I gotta go with Kiko Martinez and Kid Galahad, and I think why because. It was basically as big an upset as Rosado and Beck, and but yeah. what you had that I don't think I've ever seen in boxing. And I thought it, right right at the moment it happened was, you know, first of all, it was shocking upset, and then, you know, Mark, the first time Martinez dropped Galahad, it was with a complete bomb, about with one shot, and it came out of nowhere. Came completely out of nowhere. I thought that yeah. fight was done. Galahad was just yes. dominating the fight. Look completely done. So that was dramatic. And then what I'd never seen in all my time watching boxing was. So they come out for the next round, and Martinez doesn't jump on him with a flurry, but he lands another perfectly timed but one. Yeah, fight. right. <laughs> this time it's about home. Yeah, it
1: is a good point. Yeah, because usually and, and, so you know you're so about it that you're just you know flurrying on somebody. Right. You're like I gotta give him now. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about yeah. it like that. That is a very good point.
2: I've never seen that, and I think that's always going to stick in my mind because it was such a dramatic upset. Never saw it before. Two beautiful shots, and the second one that just put him out with one punch. Right. In that situation, you're always expecting a flurry, just letting his hands go, seeing if he can end it, and the, and the guy just comes out with one perfectly timed bomb again, right on the button, and Galahad just drops, you know, you know, like a rock, just out. I mean, just out. So uh, I think that was so unusual that one gets my knockout of the year.
1: And uh, some others were mentioning Joshua Bu- Buati over. Uh, Dos Santos, that was a big one. Um, Callum Smith, Castillo, that also, <laughs> that definitely was a big one.
0: That Richard was a Comey. Huge
1: one. yeah, that was a nasty one. Richard Comey, Jackson Morenez, that was another big one that I think uh, is worth mentioning just as far as just, you know, knock you out. Brandon Lee had a knockout down the stretch. Um, that yeah, definitely that a got a work, one. you know. Yep. Um, Some people saying, uh, I think, shots out to the U.K., Connor uh, Ben-Algiri. F.A. Ajagba, and Brian Howard was another one, too. That was pretty nasty. Um, So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely, you know, a lot out there to choose from. Um, But I'm going Valdez, but I see your point. I do see your point. Uh, but I'm still
0: yeah, going to stick with it. Good. I can see it. it. That
2: that might have been my that might have been mine. Otherwise, because that was that was vicious, right. and 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 also to me that was a big upset. Um, but I, I think that Martinez was unusual enough in a lot of circumstances for me that 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 one stays in my mind. That, that that's going to be my knockout of the year. Yeah, I mean that
1: that's more than fair. Now, upset of the year, we talked about uh, you know what. What on the books was the upset of the year? Um, that that Riviera, Al Riviera um, and Omar Juarez, that was a plus fifteen hundred. Sandor Martin was a plus twelve fifty. We talked about that. Mauricio Lara, that was a that was a good ass fight too. Uh, it was pretty brutal. Uh, plus twelve hundred. Kenneth Sims Jr., who we just mentioned, Elvis Rodriguez, that was a plus 1,200. Juan Carlos Abreu, uh, 1,200 again. Um, Jose de... Oh, oh, what the hell? I just lost the damn page. Um, I mean, there's uh, the Arias overheard. That was an upset of the year as well. A lot of of people think that, that was the upset of the year. Um I'm gonna go with Martin over Mikey Garcia. Oh wait, hold on. Whoa, 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 Teofimo Lopez and Cambosas. I, I I totally lost that there. That's my upset of the year. Cambosas and Teofimo because what was riding on it it was a major thing riding on it. I think that was uh you know, and he was a healthy underdog as well, obviously, but um Well, he was a plus 600, uh, Camposas, but the way that went down, some of the punishment he was able to take and still dish out and still get the dub because Lopez did come back really strong in that fight. So I'm going to go George Camposas Jr. with the upset of the year. What says you, sir?
2: Actually, Chris, I agree, and I agree with your logic. Uh, Thinking about that one. And I, I think, I thought, if I recall, I might have seen Cambosos. Uh, I'd defer to what the, what, what the betting logs say, but it seemed like he was up to about maybe plus 800 around. I remember seeing Lopez at minus yeah, 1,000. Uh, but, but look, there, you, you, on odds, you can find other fights that, and you, know, you, you do have to look at the odds for those kind of things, more bigger upsets, but I think lineal title on the line, with the way I thought of Tiaflemo Lopez in terms of ability, and most others did, and didn't think that much of Camboso's now, if your arguing unit wasn't as big as an upset, you could say, well, Cambosos had kind of reached the bottom part of the legit top ten but he but he hadn't looked good uh I, I, for me, it was upset of the year; it just wouldn't have just wasn't expecting it. Uh, You know, Cambosos came out strong Lopez rallied And, you know, what then makes that even Reminds you of how big of an upset Is It wasn't like Lopez got exposed And turned out to be some chump I mean, yes, he didn't look as good But he rallied Knocked Cambosos down Almost pulled out the fight So, in other words We know Teofimo Lopez can still fight Um, And, you know, he did make the lightweight limit So uh, yeah, I, I think that was just so dramatic, and also a great fight, a uh, great competitive fight yeah. with Cambosos, ending up a clear winner, but a great competitive fight. I'm with you. That, that to me, just for 2021, that, that, to me, just has to be upset of the year. You know, the Kiko Martinez over Galahad was completely shocking, but just just the, just the significance of Cambosos. The a- eighth side
1: of it. Yeah, eight, I mean,
2: and, you know, Lopez coming off a win over Lomachenko, a clear win. Uh, that's that's my upset of the year as well. I just think that one, you're always going to remember that from 2021, Cambosos bursting onto the scene. You know, in Madison Square Garden, uh, just great great fight, great upset. You're always going to remember it. So I think that's got to go down as upset of the year.
1: Yeah, that- um, and you could definitely put Cambosis and Teofimo within that uh, range of fight of the year. Maybe it's not top two, top three, top four, but you could, you got to put it in the range, whether that's top yeah. 15 or whatever, top 10. I, th- it was I, think, camp- it's,
2: I think it's top three. I, I do think it's top three. It's,
1: okay. Yeah, I just felt like I had to re-mention it. I'm not sure if I mentioned it. Uh, I just I'm, I was realizing, I don't know if I mentioned it during that time frame. We were talking about fights in the years. So, yeah, I yeah, think we
2: did. I think we did.
1: I think you must have. Um, because, yeah, Cambosis, I mean, he took punishment <laughs> too. And I think people kind of forget that part. Like, yeah, he, he was hurt in fight, And he admitted yep. it, you know, multiple times and to still go through that. that I mean, I, I can't wait to see him fight again, man. I really can't. Um, prospect of the year. Well, we know what the robbery of the year is good old Minneapolis, Minnesota at the Armory, uh, uh, Michael Fox, uh, unfortunately yeah. w, you get the WBA special. Um, are there other ones out there? Sure, there's other robberies, but the combination of the WBA special involved in that just puts it on a, you know, it, it outdid the other crooked corruption. You know, like there's so many layers of corruption in boxing, and that one really – like a trifecta of it, um, so I think there's not a lot of debate. there. prospect of the year: uh, Zayas, Anderson, Morel Jr., who I still think is in that. He's a contender now, maybe, but he, you know, you could have said at the beginning of the year he's a prospect. Connor Ben, people are mentioning. Um, you can mention some other ones as well. Where you at with the uh, prospect of the year? And am always? It's always kind of a strange one for me because. I don't, although uh, two of these guys here fit into that, you know, under 10 or 15 fights and they're knocking people out, um, sometimes when it's guys that you're like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah, he's knocking these guys out, but he hasn't fought anyone yet. I can't just say because he's doing it, it's a prospect of the year. I've been known to give a guy who, is about to be in a championship fight, the prospect of year because at the beginning of the year, he was a prospect, he turned himself into a contender, and so I kind of, at times, I've done that in the past, John, where if you created a contender, if you create, like, if you put yourself in contender range fully, to me, that means more as a prospect to contender top 10, or if you did get a trinket, or whatever the hell you did, rather than some dude who's just 7-0 looking good against guys that we're not going to ever know about. You know, so I'm always kind of all over the place in this uh, category, and I get a lot of pushback because I've literally named champions, prospects of the year because at the beginning of the year he was a prospect. But um, where do you stand on prospect of the year, sir? Obviously, Boots, fit. too. I think I picked Boots last year, but you've got to put, you know, Boots Ennis is in that range still and he definitely became a
2: full-fledged contender this year. Yeah, I find that hard to categorize, too. The the rule I've always kind of used, and it doesn't always work perfectly for the reasons you've said, Chris, and, I, and I've and i always been one. I think the eye test and ratings does matter as well as who you've beaten in resume. A lot of people like to just go on resume only. I, I think it's got to be a combination of both. Why I'm saying that with prospect of the year is, I'm actually someone who is in favor of if a guy really has looked that good, um, you know, put him in the legit top 10, you know, maybe at the bottom rather than say, well, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't beaten somebody in the top 10 or at the the upper half of the top 10 yet. You know, not every time, but if, if somebody looks that good. So in those situations, it could be somebody maybe who was a prospect in the top 10. But I, I kind of find the rule for me that I've always kind of applied is, you know, prospect is really somebody who hasn't entered the legit top ten yet. But I but I can see the way you look at it, and for the reasons I'm saying, like a a guy, a David Morrell, obviously hasn't had many fights. He's already in the legit 168 top ten. Um, but again, like that to me goes to too many weight divisions. Not that Morrell's not good, so. I could see where you could say, well, maybe Morrell should be prospect of the year. But I I still, even with all the weight classes, I I tend to like to have it where somebody who hasn't entered the legit top ten yet. So, you know, to me, then you're looking at guys like Jared Anderson, Zayas, Brandon Lee, I saw mentioned. And kind of then got me thinking. I mean, Lee really does still fit in that. He hasn't quite hit the legit top ten yet.
1: yeah, that's so, true.
2: I think that's a pretty convincing case. Uh I like Lee a lot. I I tend to think that he probably is the best prospect not entering the legit top 10 yet cuz to me guys like Morrell are already in there now even though he hasn't had many fights. Ennis is in there. Um you know, Zayas is not yet. I li- I am in the camp that likes Zayas a lot. Uh but, but You know, he's to me Lee Lee looks like he's a little more accomplished without being in the legit top ten yet. To me, Um, then you got a guy like Berlanga who's not there yet, but you know, kind of has shown some flaws. Probably, you know, has dropped off. uh, You know, so you're not you're not looking at him um, with with those other guys right now. Um, You know, I like Jared Anderson a lot. I like what he's showing. I wouldn't argue with anybody that picks somebody like Anderson. But uh, I, I like the I like the Brandon Lee mention. That that kind of for where he's at right now makes sense to me because I would say in in twenty twenty two he's a guy that's got the talent that he he should be able to move himself into the legit top ten. So I I, I like the I like the Brandon Lee, uh, but I certainly also like guys like Zayas and Anderson and you know Connor Benn, Now you, you could argue really. Even though these are faded guys who don't bring any power, um, you, know, you could you know you could say maybe maybe he should be considered, but you know he's kind of, right. to me he doesn't make it yet. But you know there's people that got him, you know, and, and their transnationals got him there now at ten. Uh, you know, my personal feelings are he shouldn't be there yet, but um, for me, you know, and I know these other guys haven't exactly faced guys like that yet either. But but there's something to me, you know. Connor Ben was, was dropped. It's not that you can't have stumbles, but, you know, he, he got dropped earlier in his career by a, a guy with about a 500 record, was in serious trouble, uh, dropped twice. And, and he, you know, there, there's just, to me, it's sticking out. I mean, they're, they're not going to put this guy near anybody that can throw back and, you know, with any kind of authority. And, and that's sticking out to me. I mean, it's just it's just a question mark. He doesn't have the amateur pedigree. So, for me, even if he wasn't in the top, the top 10 yet, I, I don't, I just don't see him as prospect of the year.
1: And I test um, in six fights this year. I I'm going Zayas. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I thought he, you know, he faced some one loss type guys. Uh, I, I wouldn't say there are some, you know, better, Uh, wins that you could say prospects had and stuff like that, but his activity and how dominant he was in that activity. And, and this is where the eye test comes in. Like you said, as well, it's not just resume. It is eye test. And for me, what he was doing in that ring and how that can translate here in the near future, I'm going to go with him for my, uh, prospect of the year. Um,
2: Can't can't argue. He looks looks good. I I like him.
1: He looks freaking really good, man. I mean, this guy's got some talent on him. Um, And, you know, some of it is we've seen him a lot too now, right? Um, You know, he's always put in a nice spot. ESPN and top ranks done a good job with that. Um, And just going back to that prospect stuff on ESPN or on Fox, like we mentioned, you know, it's been a while since we've seen these type of fights where you get to see every fight of a prospect's career. And that's, you know, before this last five years or whatever, you didn't really get to see that much. Yeah, Friday night fights from time to time. Uh, but a lot of them were squash matches where it wasn't that, like whatever. Yeah, he's he's going to blow him out, then he's going to try to get on showbox or whatever. Um, so I think that's part of the, you know, people are being overly critical But then they didn't see Andre Ward in fight seven, you know. They didn't see him against, you know, some guys that you're like, wow, that was a hell of a fight in his sixth fight. Yeah, he got hurt. You know, look who he was fighting. So I think a lot of people are just not used to seeing every single fight. And there's something to be said about that on both sides. Like, well, maybe we should put a better fight on in that frame. But also, if you're going to talk about building stuff, but you gotta build it. So yeah, it, it, boxing kind of gets stuck in there someplace. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's okay, mediocre. Sometimes the cards can just be trash where you get four of those in a row, and you're like, eh. Like we said, it was it was a, we were lacking like a good competitive eight rounder on that Fox card. Otherwise, I think prospect level and what they were trying to do with it, it would have been a good night because the actual the other fight was good on the in the FS one. That was a good prospect. You know, the, I, I, actually, if they would have just put that, that fight, Sims and Williams, on that card, that probably would have been kind of what we're talking about because Williams did good in those first three rounds. So you had to kind of not necessarily overcome them, but, you know, it was, it was competitive. It was like, all right, got to keep winning these rounds to, to win this fight. It's not just a rollover. Um, it's funny. We were talking about that. I just checked my messages earlier. And... Uh, you know the whole Nielsen rating. Like I got multiple messages saying that, that you know that that rating's fake, like fake news, and you know oh the <laughs> boxing scene. Right. It's Showtime owns boxing scene. It's like well hold on now, don't go there because why would Showtime want to blow up Fox? You know like why would they want to make them look good? But you know if it it really shows you the level of uh, hate or ignorance, and obviously some just straight-up racist when it comes to Al but Right. So, Al, you're giving him so much more credit than you even know. So you're telling me all these huge networks with billions of dollars of revenue for all these years couldn't find a way to pay off Nielsen and get the rating they want. But, But Al just popped on the scene and just right. sugar, you know, tacked his way into it. He sweetened up the pot uh, and used investors or something to be able to get the Nielsen rating. I mean, there's so many executive heads that probably want to shut down Nielsen. Let alone, you know, it's just it's just so funny how huh? it's like, guys, do you understand what that is? That's also back. I remember when they first started coming out. John, you'll like this story. They some dude said. I'm not going to have my TV on because I don't want my TV to be part of this rating. It's like, dude, if you're not a Nielsen family, you know, if you don't have the Nielsen thing on your TV, it's not the rating you're looking at. Your, Your rating doesn't count for shit. Whatever your TV's on, it doesn't count. You have to be Nielsen. Or on demand until two o'clock at night. There is that. If you have DVR, if you DVR it and watch it by two or one in the morning, I think that goes into the rating now. But you know, it's just funny. Someone sitting there making a stand. I'm not going to have my TV on. Dude, you know, they're not even. It's not even. You has anything to do with your TV? Dude. So just shut well, up, I, dude. Just stop. But, and you know?
2: you're right. It's it's more No, it is. It's more. It's even more accurate than it's it like two hundred
1: thousand homes. is What it breaks down to you know but because of what you said oh. though,
2: but because of what you said Chris now they also like on on like you know certain, certain systems they can actually tell if you if you've yeah. watched it you know, you know like oh, uh no. you, you know the way things are now compared to where they used to be so yeah and there's still the ratings book but yeah they're they're even more accurate than they used to be and it's it's what's used to determine rates for advertisers and things so yeah exactly i mean this is something that's been around a long time and and obviously, and Al didn't
1: uh, find a way to buy them off. <laughs> it's an independent. It's about as independent quality source as you can get nowadays. If you think about it, you know what I mean. Like, it's, yeah, it's it's independent. It's like the definition of independent. You know, like there's yeah. no way Al Heyman was able to dig into this. Now, just real quick, we have about two to about two minutes of the live stream left. Um, Network of the year. It was close, but overall I did give Showtime. Round of the year, I gave round four, Wilder Fury, because of the drama. Are there any other items you want to talk about or didn't get to talk to you? You got about 90 seconds, two minutes. No, so. Chris,
2: I think uh, in terms of the choices and everything, I covered everything I want to, except I would close. And tough call, that Valdez thing bothers me a little bit, but uh, considering he trains Canelo, uh, the Valdez win over Burchell and the Frank Sanchez big win over at Jogba on a big spot, a big important spot, probably has to give Reynoso trainer of the year, I'd say.
1: Oh, yeah, good call. Good call. Reynoso trainer of the year. Very good call. I'm glad that you uh, mentioned that too. All right, well, I appreciate you uh, stopping in. Um, You know, we can now talk. It's a day later. Uh, from the, you know, West Virginia-Minnesota game. Um, did they talk about the Minnesota offensive line enough in that game? Jesus Christ. I mean, how many times are you going to mention the damn offensive line in that game? I noticed that. It was like, all right, guys, we get it. They're big dudes. It was well, kind it was of a good night for
2: that. It was a good night for Minnesota, frankly. I got to even say as a West Virginia fan that West Virginia was lucky Minnesota didn't win that game 35-6. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we so, left a uh, lot,
1: lot of offense yeah, on the
2: field. Bad, bad, bad night. Bad night for West Virginia. Um, they've got a, and you know the the offensive line for West Virginia played horrendously. Uh, but with with that understood, yeah, you know Daggy D- 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 is just mediocre at best at that level, and uh, they've got literally, which is the best prospect they've had for. A long, long time. They've got Nico Marchial, who's one of the top quarterback prospects in the country. You know, among the offers, my understanding was Georgia. So WVU was able to get him. Apparently, he kind of took an interest in WVU. Point being, he's a true freshman coming in. So that's the big thing where Neil Brown, he's got to figure out how, because Dagie has one year left. So he's got to figure out uh, how to finesse this. But uh, I think with. All the transfers you've got nowadays and stuff. You saw that game the way that played out last night. If March, if Marchial can play at all like he's touted to be, he he's got to roll the dice and go with the true freshman and and go with him next year and see how that goes because you can't go into next year with, with that being the, the way things are going to be the the foundation uh, if you're West Virginia.
1: Yeah, I mean. That quarterback took probably six hard hits in the first half. It was just like, oh, my gosh. Oh, Jesus. Like, that was – I felt for him a little bit, just a little. It was like, whoa. That linebacker that sh- – I didn't realize – I forgot the defense that you guys ran. Uh, but it refreshed right when I started watching. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. The undersides, the linebackers and speed and all that. But that linebacker, a couple of those players made some shoestring tackles that would have been huge gains, and I, I yep. was pretty impressed with that. I think it's Simmons, kind of an undersized linebacker. Simmons, I think. He's the one that called yep. the timeout. Remember when they put the big dude, uh, Falahe, the the, the 6'9", yeah. 380 dude in the backfield, and he called the timeout, he's like, screw this, hold on. What the hell is this all about? Uh, that guy was making plays all over the place, I thought.
2: Yeah, I thought the defense played defense played okay even though Minnesota got a lot of big games and stuff. I thought they they played okay cuz they were in bad position yeah. the whole game, but but the West Virginia West Virginia offense was terrible and Minnesota showed they they had a good team this year. Um but West Virginia offense was just terrible. Bagley didn't get protection. The offensive line was bad, but but he's also got his problems and uh I think Mathis there their tailback who was in there was good. He wasn't much of a drop-off from Brown who sat it out for his draft, draft prospects, oh, yeah. but the offensive line wasn't good. Receivers are, are okay, but but not special. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to see if it's going to be the, the Nico Martial era is going to start in <laughs> next All right.
1: year. All right, well, you have yourself a good uh, good holiday weekend.
2: All right, Chris, good talking to you. Uh, You know, I'm looking forward to seeing how this basically all-heavyweight thing plays out uh, Saturday night, and we'll have something to talk about.
1: All right, you take it easy.
2: Take care, Chris. Thanks for having me.